welcome back to Night Owl Nerds. Tonight we'll be doing an episode of Matters at Hand. Due to a last minute cancellation, this is what we've got. Tonight we are joined by myself, Xander, John, Matt, and Heather. Welcome, Matt and Heather, to your first Matters at Hands episode. Hooray! <laughs> Given that we have our DM tonight, does anybody have any special questions regarding the campaign? Questions they may need answered. I I got a I got a question for all of you. How the fuck do you put up with it? Uh, a I lot of a lot of drinking. A <laughs> lot of drinking. <laughs> one of the one of the things and, and and call it I guess a little bit of like imposter syndrome with it is since since we all kind of started this way back uh, when it was conceived as a one shot. To just to, just to fuck around and try D and D online, like I was just like, okay, I'm just gonna put this together and we'll see where it goes. And then as I'm doing it, I think I went to work and told Robin, I'm like, oh man, this is gonna be this can't be done in like one session. <laughs> so we're we're going to have to maybe we'll do. I think I think the original play was maybe we'll do like five sessions. I want to say we said like two or three. Yeah, I think it was like two after or the three. first session, we're like, you know what, this isn't gonna end. You know, within the next session, maybe we'll push it to three. But who knows? And here we are, it's forty a... something sessions later. Yeah. And I think I, I I look back on like a lot of my sessions now, and I'm just like, I just kind of like threw it together, and a lot of them. And then that's why sometimes, uh, we would have like those spots where I let you know, like, hey, I don't think I have a good enough session this week before we were doing the podcast. I would let you guys know, I'm like, it's not where I want it to be. So uh, yeah. let's let's play next week because I would always want to like have at least something interesting. And that's always the thing is like when I when I like set up my little file for it and I lay out my bullet points, I'm like, this is interesting. I think this is just going through the motions, but I think a lot of it is characters will like fill that out and so yeah. li li listening to the sessions again and, and just flipping through casually that's what i do as i'll go back and i'll be like i don't really do it in a sequential order but i'll go back and listen to something just for shits and giggles and curiosity and i'm just like okay that presentation of it ended out better than i had thought in my head and how i wrote it down because it's like like story beats I think are easier, but if you guys are like traveling from point A to point B, it, it in my brain it's like it's hard to make that super interesting. So usually I'll have to like throw in something crazy. Yeah, but even there have been so many sessions where we'd like we hardly touched your page of notes yeah. because of role play. Yeah. Like we would drag out an episode for hours and we'd you know we hadn't even left the town we were we were supposed to like leave the town get on the road get to the next town in that session and we didn't even leave the town because we were so busy role playing yep those those were those were weird for me cuz uh let me let me pull it up really quick let me find the first session well, honestly, I know that happens with a lot of our one shots too is like where we get so involved with our role play that that's why the one shots get so drawn out Oh yeah, Lament was like that. Lament was designed. Well, Remedy was like that too. Lament was like that. Remedy was designed. Lament was uh, okay. So Lament was designed to be a long one shot. It yeah. Was designed 
to last five hours. Just based in combat, the multiple stages you had to go through, and the final, the, and the epilogue, I figured that in total, if there wasn't a lot of roleplay, this would take about five hours. I learned that lesson the hard way. It did not. No, it, it took Oof. like three sessions? <laughs> it took three, three four sessions. sessions? Okay. Then it, it would have made sense because with two new players, the chances of everybody role-playing that well together, like their first time out in the game was almost zero to none. It just happened. Yeah. Yeah, I a think, lot of shit just kind of happened. I think that a lot of it comes from uh, that all of us at that point had played uh, D&D to some aspect, right? Like, we, we've we all played D&D at that point. Um, not with each other. I think uh, Lament was actually our first time all playing together. Yes, um, that was you and uh, Ethan's debut. But yeah, that's how you guys got introduced. But it was also like, it was kind of a meeting of of the minds. Like, how do we like, let's all get together, let's let's play D anD D, and let's feel everything out. And like, we we all meshed like right at the beginning. It, there was there was a few minutes I remember uh, in the first session where it was like, I know I personally I can't speak for Ethan, but I personally was like. Okay, I've got to feel out this group. I know I've listened to the episodes. I, I think I have a feeling about how these guys play. Like, I hadn't played, or I hadn't seen Matt play at that point, but him talking for a couple minutes in character, I, I started getting a feel for how he played as a character, or how he was going to play his character, and that, for me, opened it up, and that's where the roleplay started for me, because I love roleplay in D&D. Um, I'll always lean more towards a roleplay heavy campaign than a battle heavy campaign uh, more of a role-playing over beer and pretzel type of campaign yeah um but i'm happy i'm happy in the middle anywhere but just to to have that opportunity and we have that in uh, matters of the gods as well where we have those roleplay options where they can go long roleplay it's just super awesome yeah i hesitate when uh because it, it's easy because as you guys roleplay in my notes I just, I scroll down to where the next logical step will go. Or if like you guys have like kind of veered off, I use that opportunity you guys to role play to like throw some shit like, okay, now they're going to do this. Or maybe I push up what I had in the, in the, in the notes and everything. Um, and it, the, the, when you guys do that, regardless, like it, it sets me up to be able to, to figure out how to flow it next. But a lot of times, like, I'll get that done within a heartbeat because I'm so used to it now with, with DMing this game and understanding what you guys normally do. So I'll get it done and I'll, I'll get right where I want to go. And then I just, like, I lean back and I'm like, I just let you guys do your thing. And then I'm like, oh, my God, we've been, they've been doing this for, like, six or seven minutes now and I haven't had to interject in this at all. And I'm like, it's not a good appropriate time because they're having a blast with it. You are getting some good character development, even if there is no character development. And we're either having a fucky conversation where it's just we know we're making those like like semi-private jokes that either we're going to get or like somebody who's listening in the past understood a previous joke. Like, like, the, the, like the boners like or the something like that. Joke. Yeah. Dude, that and, went on for so long. <laughs> but I, f I feel like we're, we're at the point with our characters too where it's not, in my opinion, it's not boring to listen to. When you guys are debating a situation... 
you guys are doing it in character. There's usually some sort of, there is a progressive step to the conversation. It's not just filling random, like, dead spots, right? It's like there's a reason Cax is bringing up something of concern, and then it's sparking, you know, Nyx to shoot him down or to question it or for Thrym to, like, calm him down. Like, there's are these, like, natural story steps that really just extend a lot of it. And it's not even really just our characters. It's, like, how we play. You're 100% right, where... Um, your typical one-shot, I, I think... I think if, if, if I were to do a one-shot now, guys, it would consist... I gotta get a little comfy and my wire's all messed up. That messed up my sound at all? Yeah, a little bit, but no. you're fine. All right, hold on. Little distortion as you moved, but nothing bad. Yeah, you're oh, fine now. That's fine. Okay. Oh no, you yeah. you were totally fine when you when you got back settled. Yeah, okay. Yeah, the, if the wire fine. moves, I think the connection into the computer's fucky with it, so that's why occasionally it'll sound really fucking weird. It'll give feedback. Anyway, um, if I were to design a one shot now, I would literally do two encounters and plan for like one thing at the beginning and in between the second uh first and second combat thing because yep. that's the only way you're getting it done yep but also i think the longer we have in between the one shot the more you guys are going to develop your characters like when he said to me when when he said to me he's like hey, okay make your character i already knew the archetype i wanted to do throwing a character together on roll 20 is easy now for the most part yeah um but it's it's sitting there and thinking and being like, okay, here's what I'm do for that character. And then you like put it in the back of your brain. And then as time goes on, I'm just like, oh yeah, no, this will be a thing and this will be a thing. And it grows into like this thing. So then logically during the session, right? You want to develop it a little bit as a player, right? You want to see where it goes. You want to test your boundaries with the other characters and players. Um, but that can, that can, I don't want to say bloat, but it'll extend the time of the session. Yeah. And when you multiply that by a lot of people, like that'll just extend it. Like Ethan, maybe what has one or two encounters in his session. Um, I believe we're going to end up with three or four. And so, so yeah, like he, he intended it to be a one shot and I could see realistically how he could get it done. But yeah, like, like, you gotta know your character, like, I don't know, I'm calling it a one-shot is kind of like doing it a disservice now, because if we do this with a group, there, there's probably no way we're doing one-shots. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, we just like to roleplay too much to be able to call it a one-shot. We spent, like, a minute and a half having Ethan describe a character's balls and cock. Yep, yes. and I, I think part <gasps> like... of that was we wanted to <laughs> test Ethan and just be like... Okay, I'm just gonna throw this at you. I want to see what you do with it, and it, and that's kind of the fun. Dude, like when originally, like as I like drew the sword and held it to that merchant's throat, I was like, "All right, we're just gonna take these potions and leave." And then I did it, and I'm like, "It is gonna be so much more fun to make this guy drop his pants." <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> and yeah. then Robin ran with it, and. Then... So the thing with Warren and how I chose to play him, Heather and I spent, what, that afternoon? Yeah, we spent that afternoon, like, going to the mall and back, like, in the car, practicing voices. I basically was just trying to pick an accent. The character himself, I designed the backstory, 
And, you know, it wasn't much, nothing more than a couple of paragraphs, but something that could easily be expanded into a wider story if needed. But much like I've run both of my one-shots, it's a lot of ad-libbing on my part. I write down almost nothing. I mean, for Remedy, the only thing that I wrote down was your... It was a few key points from your character's tragic backstories so that I could force you to relive, relive them when you went into those rooms in the upper floor. But I just wrote those, wrote those down as notes so that I wouldn't forget when I was ad-libbing everything else. Mm -hmm. But back to your point, Matt, about having a character kind of fester in the back of your mind and you're like picking things that you're going to have him do and how he's going to do handle certain situations and maybe quirks. That's Nyx for me. We have spent so long playing these characters that Nyx is... Nyx is such a complex character that is so hard to portray in the campaign, especially being that this is an audio-only story. Um, because Nyx is a generally quiet character, especially when he's upset, you know, he gets quiet. So then I have to try to figure out how am I going to describe his actions to express his emotions because that's mm -hmm. how he expresses himself is in his actions or lack thereof but all of these things come from me just trying to think like what would Nyx do okay and like in, like I have re-listened to most of the podcast at this point um, and being the editor I get to listen to every episode more than once before it goes live anyway you know I realize and I'm well aware that Nyx goes through a lot of existential crises a lot does, the does thing the is <laughs> a, a certain a certain someone keeps slapping him in situations where that is his only response he comes from a tormented background and keeps being reminded of that like his his end goal is to be free from his past to know that he doesn't have to look over his shoulder that he can move on with his life without worrying if someone's going to come and kill him or try to control him his ultimate goal is freedom however that comes right now he believes that's by killing loth and in so doing that removes the houses and allows him to move forward but something always happens that reminds him that he is chained. Like he's finally gotten connections with these other characters, built friendships and whatnot, and then that whole thing where Lacutus made him live a different reality and he had to kill the ghosts of his friends after mm -hmm. it was his fault that they died. Or that, you know, it's um, survivor's guilt. He was the only one that got out of the crypt. So having to effectively relive that and then come back to reality where it wasn't a thing but it was a thing and now he's got to wrap his mind around that he just keeps getting hit kicked down so i gotta try to find a way to expand the complexity of nyx but he keeps getting thrown into the edgelord character because he doesn't have a chance to evolve you know, he doesn't have the chance to grow because every and every time he gets kicked down, he gets kicked down harder. Mm -hmm. 
you know, it's the, the, the reminder of his past when they found Veyron. And the, um, the reveal that Ryland is his mother. You know, his lifelong mentor, but nothing more than that. Come to find out it's his mom. And the sudden guilt and realization that he's a fugitive. And what are they going to do to his birth mother? Even though she's a female, he doesn't know that they won't punish her or use her to get to me. Right. So, like, the one thing he's always wanted is a mother. You know, he's always wanted a mother, someone he could look up to and rely on. Suddenly he has one, and suddenly she's in terrible danger for because of his own actions. Mm -hmm. You know, up to that point, he could live on thinking, I don't have a mom. I don't need to worry about it. If I did have a mom, she either doesn't care because I was supposed to be sacrificed. So... You know, after giving birth to me, I go off to the sacrificial chamber. She doesn't find out that I lived on whatever, you know, whatever justification that Nick's had to come up with to convince himself that he doesn't actually have a mother. And now he finds out that he does, and she's been protecting him his entire life. Now he's got extreme guilt from that. So it's like, that. it's just this constant. And I don't know, I want Nick's to evolve. I want him to reach... You know, I want him to reach his goal and be given the chance to relax and not fear for his life or the lives of those he cares for. I think it's it's kind of been a consistent even even before we started recording where you guys uh, became the fugitives that you are in the Underdark. And we right. had the whole you guys... Um, Kind of stuff we haven't really just ever discussed uh, in recording before, but um, when you guys were escaping, you uh, were riding down a river that would get you away from Menzo Berenzen. Yep. Um, and with Nix's boyfriend. With Nix's boyfriend. <laughs> the, fifth, the fish man. Yeah. Finn. And Finn, that's right. And uh, uh, Rain one of the high priestesses of House Fangrel um, causes, I think it was, I think it was a uh, locust swarm or something. It was, yep. it was insects like that, yeah. and it was, it was doing massive damage. So essentially Finn said, get in the water. And that's what allowed you guys to kind of survive that portion yep. and whisked you away. And ever since that point, it really at that point was like the pursuit really began. Like they finally saw you and then it, it began. And then even when you got to the surface, you felt uneasy. Um, you guys got to um, Tribor, found out that... Uh, fuck, I gotta recall all these fucking names of people I made up in my brain. Um, Clint and Mason. And Mason. And Mason them. Mason was in cahoots with with uh, Rain as well. Like no. they, She was using him for the Underdark's businesses above and all their dealings. Um, and they were looking for you. And then for the longest time, you guys kind of got away from that. You, you, you know, and whether, you know, it left it up to interpretation, but uh, Clint led them on a, in a different direction to look. And that allowed you guys to kind of, you know, avoid the, the eye of Sauron at that point where it was focused somewhere else. Um, and allowed the adventure to continue of you guys finding your way to the mountain. 
um, bringing Cax's backstory into it and how, excuse me, the, the cube um, ended up being something that the drow are looking for as well. And that brings it right back to square one where, you know, another one of your party is now, like, in the focus of getting eviscerated by Loth herself and uh, yeah. all because of the, the device he's been known to have acquired. Honestly, I thought it was great writing, bringing it full circle like that. Thank you. I, dude, I, I struggled with that part. Absolutely. Because I was like, I was like, you because you guys were in, you know, you guys are trying to figure out the wanted poster thing and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, you know, it's it's got to be juicy. You got to get some juice in here. So I was like, it really, it wasn't it wasn't for maybe 10 sessions after Cax's backstory in my brain where I'm like, I realized it would work really well for because obviously that relic like the like Lolth and the and the probably the the matriarchs of the houses know like the pieces of the device are out there and that needs to be a priority and through one way or another through their like network on the surface they found it we're transporting it back disc, you know with discretion and then bam uh Cax's band accidentally yeah, accidentally grabs it and catches the ire of the rich people trying to make even more money off of that who were hired by the drow. Actually, I'm sorry, the, the crew's name was Searing Death. We need to be specific about that. That's very true. There's lots of crews, but only one Searing Death. But well, yeah. I always, I always found that super interesting as playing Cax. The only reason I gave Cax an object was because he's fidgety, right? Like, he's, he's not smart, but he's very dexterous, so he wants to be doing something with his hands at all times. Like, if it's not drawing a bow, if it's... It, he's not... He needs a sure. shake weight. <laughs> yeah, he needs a shake weight. That's what we're going for. That way he can work on his fucking eight strength. He needs that shake weight. You know, by the time he hits level 12, he'll have nine strength. No. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, he needed something to fidget with, and I... It, in my brain, right, it, when I'm writing the character, I was really big into, like, learning how to solve Rubik's Cubes again. So I was like, oh, it could be a cube, you know, and it clicks and clacks together and each individual piece spins. And it would just be a really cool thing. And then I thought about it and I was like, well, it's something that you would have to steal from a caravan to be just this interesting item, right? Because each individual piece spins and it's a cube, so it would have to be made that way and it would have to be worth something. So I said he stole it from a caravan because maybe it's like a 30 gold, like, small object. It's something worth something because it's interesting. And I just moved on with my life and never thought about it again. And then when <laughs> it came up, because he didn't want to make eye contact with caravans because there's still that little that little twitch in his mind that says steal from it, attack it, raid it. It's ha There has to be something there. Otherwise, he'd be walking on foot. Why do they have a, why do they have a wagon? And it's just that little twitch in his brain, so he looks away from caravans, and Nyx caught that at one point. Yeah. Uh, seeing, like, the first time they went out with Cax, that Cax doesn't look at caravans because he knows that there's this, this desire in his mind to, like, attack a caravan because there's money there. There's money to be made. But it just threw me for a loop when, it was, <laughs> when that cube was actually worth something, and then he had a bounty on his head for it. 
I was like, oh dear God, <laughs> that is the last thing Cax wants. When, but it I, was I, so cool. I knew that when you guys met Veyron, that I wanted that reveal. Because you guys knew that the sundering happened, right? So, um, Heather Zitter, are you aware much about the sundering through lore drops and all that stuff? Has that really been explained to you? No. As, as, as people. Yeah, there's a lot. There's there's occasionally pieces of lore that I, I had kind of crafted for our one shot and to kind of set the world different from like the Forgotten Realms, like standard thing. I'm like, okay, I want to take this and essentially move it into, you know, a, a separate universe that we can tinker with that won't, you know, I don't have to worry about like characters that are established and all that stuff because I wanted to avoid characters that were established so i'm like all right i'm gonna do my own thing with a couple of the gods and and do my own thing um and the the sundering originally was just this cataclysmic event that happened that um to a lot of people it it decimated a lot of the stone giant the cavins happened um and and it, it was kind of wiped from the history books that a, a lot of the drow uh who were against Loth had perished as well uh, from the power. And and the Sundering was just this kind of event that happened mostly in the Underdark. And we had this area that was all desert underneath in the Underdark. Essentially, it was a part of the giant cavern that was a place, I think we called it the Shifting Sands. And the whole thing was it was still had magical energy from the Sundering. So as, the, as our party was traveling through it, and this was uh, Nyx, Thrym, and Cuddy, um, the the sand, like, rolled like waves because of the latent energy in there. It just caused it to never cease. So as they traveled deeper in, because they had rumors of one of the orbs uh, being in that direction, and also found a hint that um, uh, Bjorn might, might have been in that direction as well, Thrym's mentor, um... We, it, it, the the question of like how that sand got there was like a thing, and I I had figured that the through the the execution of the sundering that it just messed up stuff and like sand was just blinked into there, um, and we we there, there's according to the map there's actually a desert not that far from there, so I was like okay it's not that far fetched that like misplaced sand from that desert ended up underground. Um, but anyway, so the Sundering itself, because I'm just rambling off in trails of random <laughs> lore that I developed in my brain, um, as we met with Veyron, turns out it was essentially these three orbs uh, used by Lolth to essentially eliminate a lot of her opposition in one magic spell. And she needed these three orbs, which all do a different thing, but combined together into, like, essentially, like, our own, like, Infinity Gauntlet kind of scenario uh, caused it to happen. And when the power was uh, spent on the spell, it was so powerful that it scattered the pieces. And the the cube, as uh, when I was kind of developing that, I'm like, all right, the, the, the whole campaign the 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 people listening and of course the players number one needed to know like what the stakes were here 100 percent like why it's a big deal because 
if Lol finds that shit again, it's fucking game over for whatever she wants. Game over, man. Game over, man. And I was like, all right, like, okay, so the orbs themselves, and I hadn't really thought about how they would function. And, and then that's when I was, I was thinking and, and thinking about that very special session after the fight with Joe Gao. And then I realized, I'm like, I can incorporate that cube into it as that's the trigger device that kind of brings it all together. So you need the three orbs and the triggering device. And that's what will allow uh, the, uh, the, the re- what the fuck do we call it? The, I should have my notes up here. Realm Breaker. The Realm Breaker. It allows it to activate <laughs> with whatever spell or spells um, the caster so deems it. So, so yeah, it was, it's, it's interesting how your backstories and how the story develops and how something as inconsequential as a fidget cube ends up as like a, a very pivotal item in the, in the story. And it's, I don't know, it's gotten pretty, pretty, pretty trippy for, for me kind of developing this as it goes and seeing how you guys are like responding to it and realizing that, oh, that thing he holds that clickety clacks and and Nick's had a couple, you know, run-ins with it where he would examine it and kind of see what was going on, but he couldn't quite scratch the surface because it was just out of his, like, ability to comprehend. And then for it to be discovered that that thing right there is is equally as valuable as those orbs, it's pretty, uh, uh, it's pretty fun for me to kind of piece it together with you guys. Because it's like, I only have, like, up to like five sessions of knowledge before you guys end up getting that knowledge as I'm like piecemealing it together in a, in a breadcrumb fashion. Cause you know, we're, we're getting to the point where um, our campaign really has a lot of focus on the main story. Um, and not to say there won't be like, you know, a couple twists and turns uh, coming up as we go, but like a, a lot of it, like you guys just gained a level uh, with with being gifted a decent chunk of experience from Veyron, you guys, your weapons like upgraded. Um, yeah, can't wait to play with that. So yeah, th- that's it. It's like now it's like we're gonna get to you know, I think that you know go into scenarios where you guys get to like showcase some new shit. Um, obviously, our casters get some new spells. Our 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 fighters are becoming more potent. And it's, it, it's going to be fun. I think a lot of these fights that we'll end up encountering in the next, uh, you know, group of sessions or however long, they'll they'll be a little bit more fun because not only are you guys going to be able to do some more crazy shit, but like now, now we're able to get into, you guys are going to go essentially, you know, spoilers, no spoilers. Obviously, you guys are going to go into the heart of the demon web pits. Yeah. And so then we get to have some fun monsters make an appearance and have some fun fights. And uh, I'm really looking forward to to that. You say fun as if it's not literally hell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Spider hell. Yeah. <laughs> One of the Cax things though, doesn't like... like spiders. <laughs> this is a bad place for cats to be, <laughs> especially with spiders that lay eggs the size of thrim. This is a very bad place for cats to be. One of the things though, like going even way back. Like, the absolute worst person for Nyx, as far as existential crisis goes, to be best friends with, is Thrym. In a way, yeah. 
because yeah. Thrym doesn't know what the fuck to do about it because he can't comprehend it. Like, Bjorn got taken to a completely different plane of existence, and then he was shown he was being tortured, killed, and brought back to life, and he's just like, oh, he's having fun with that. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh, he's has, okay. He can survive <laughs> another couple years. Yeah, like, Thrym has no idea how to help Nyx other than just be like, you just got to toughen the fuck up at this point. Like, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. But as far as like character development goes, once Tax got that necklace of average intelligence and got him to a point where he actually managed, he got to a point where Tax could actually have an existential crisis. Like, like <laughs> I don't know if I like being this smart because before this, it was just way easier. It's like Tax might actually be the person that Nyx needs to grow farther. It could be. The thing is that Nyx has always kind of viewed Cax as kind of like a child, someone he needs to look out for. Like, right. Thrym has always looked out for Nyx. So Nyx kind of needed to take that inspiration and he's turned it on Cax and is, has been in his own kind of asshole way, has been looking after Cax to try to make sure that at least, he, at the very least, he stays alive. Like um, one of the episodes I was actually reviewing today, uh, we were in the Efridi hut and Cax has that freak out moment. You know, he's scared out of his balls and he eats poisoned cricket and starts hallucinating and tries to run away and all that crap. But then he calms down and he's just destroyed by it. Nyx tries to use prestidigitation to recreate the smell of his, you know, of his shop and uh, possum kebabs in an effort to remind him of home. And the idea that we will get out of this place. But then Cax is like, I never, you know, maybe Neverwinter never was my home. Which, you know, means, you know, Nyx tried and failed. But he tried. So he is, he's, he's trying to take some inspiration from Thrym in helping people through their crises. But he I will doesn't be really know how to do about it. I will be honest, after that session, I thought about that statement. And I was like, that really helped Cax like develop a little more as a character and get a little bit deeper as I wanted him to do. Like, he's trying to find somewhere to settle, but maybe that's not the place for him. And then I thought about how Nyx helped him out and was like, it's okay, you're gonna make it. We're gonna, you're gonna go home. And I just shut Nyx down entirely. It was like, no, fuck you, my moment here. <laughs> Which <laughs> like, is fine. I totally, I totally could have gone with that and been like, thanks, Nyx. You know, like. Give, like made you feel like you did something right but it was like nope Cax no, development I see that works that works for Cax because especially at that moment Cax didn't really have the intelligence to recognize something like that so he's going to be you know self-centered in that moment so the, the fact that he essentially told Nyx to fuck off is fine you know that's how that character works um, I will say on this note, Thrym has been helping Nyx. The whole thing where, like, oh, you know, you just need to toughen the fuck up does help refocus him. Because when he has these crises and he starts shutting down and start in, starts internalizing and not being able to do things, when Thrym pulls him aside and basically says, listen, you fucking soldier, get on your feet and do your job, it reminds Nyx that he does have an end goal. That yeah, 
you know, wallowing in my own self-pity is maybe not what I need to be doing right now. But it's a double-edged sword because while, yeah, he needs that reminder to get on his feet and get the job done, he's internalizing this. And he's internalizing every single crisis he's been thrown, DM. <laughs> when all is said and done, there is no guarantee on what Nix will do when we reach our end point. Does that mean that Cax is gonna die and not make it to Waterdeep? God damn it! That's <laughs> funny. You, you talking about the the Afridi hut? That was that was fun because I I had a couple different options that I had considered for that moment. I'm like, all right, I want this to be a, like a, a little bit of a, a a mini skill challenge that could evolve into a fight, right? And that possibility was there. And then everyone so else rolled really good, game. except for Cax. And yeah, then the and then the effects started kicking in, and I'm like, all right, if he if he if, he, if there's no way he gets out of this, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna essentially message him and say, choose a person to strike at. Like that's just what, where you're at. You're you feel cornered, and fight or flight's kicking in hardcore here. And then and then the effect. Was he calmed down and everything was good? And I'm like, all right, here's the direction we're rolling in. But, but the, secretly, I was just like, oh man, it would have been kind of cool to see him go ape shit. And everyone's like, oh, like freaking out, trying oh, not dude. to offend the Afridi who invited you into his home. And then all of a sudden, one of you guys goes batshit. Fight or flight, and the boarding window is now closed. Like. <laughs> <laughs> You've been left at the gate, bud. Yeah, that was that was my first thing. I, I knew um, when you guys got to the... I figured regardless, even if it was a shorter session, you guys getting to the uh, City of Brass was a good cutoff point. And I'm like, okay, this is enough planning for this session. And I remember um, planning out like the first Afridi you'd run into, right? And I'm just like, all right, he's going to be... You know, based off of the City of Brass is essentially inspired by the Forgotten Realms has the setting for that. So I, I drew the main inspiration off of that. And of course, it's almost like a, a Middle Eastern bazaar, right? Of just the the the, the stalls and, the, and all the different vendors and everything. It just amplified by a hundred. And I was, but that was just like, all right, what, you know, do I want to stick with the typical, like... Hello, I am Defriti. Hello, welcome to my tent. I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. So I had to like morph it a little bit. And then combined with the fact that I remember I had him go into a lamp because that's essentially where like he slept. And then Robin was like, wait a minute, he's not a genie. I'm like, yeah, he's an Afridi. They could do that. They could do that. I swear. I looked it up. Yeah, see, I got a little confused when you <laughs> when you threw that at me. Um my my knowledge of D&D and its lore is decent, but I don't know everything. So when you threw that at me, I'm like, wait, genies do that. The only thing that I am aware of that is akin to a genie is a genasi, who is a half genie. Mm -hmm. That's why I asked that question. But yeah. completely blanking on the fact that genasi can't do that. Because mm -hmm. they're more humanoid than anything. They're basically super-powered humans because they have genie blood. But yeah, I was completely ignorant to what 
Ifridi are and what they can do. So when he threw that at me, I was like, what the You're fuck like, what? are we dealing with here? Huh? <laughs> well, aren't Genasi like potent like they're they're basically humanoid like they're more human elementals. Like they have the ability to be like human elementals, more human um, than elemental. But... Effectively, yeah. I mean, according to the player's handbook, um, as far as much as I read about them, which wasn't a lot, is that they are they are effectively half breed uh, genies, but they associate or whatever word you want to use um, with a particular prime element. Yeah, you know, like earth, I... air, fire, water, and they yeah. gain certain benefits and drawbacks according to their element like i've i've seen a couple campaigns where uh there's like water genasi um which is fucking cool i think having a water genasi or genasi in our party going into the city of brass would have been real bad though you know Probably, dying yeah. before you got to the city of brass and all yeah with it being literal hell well, I guess not literal hell. We're going into literal hell. Sorry, I, I had to pull out my monster manual because... Afridis are genies. They're genies okay. from the elemental plane of fire. So they're just elementally specific genies. To yeah. that plane, I think, yeah. And they're, they're yeah. like... Like, these are way nicer than the regular Afridis, according to the monster manuals, because they're like slavers and they're... Yeah, they're really fucked up. Yeah, yeah that was the thing I kind of altered was, uh, yeah, Monster Manual Freedy are a lawful evil. Yep. And I was like, okay, if if they're going into a city, because even right around that point, I was like, all right, this is Freedy. I didn't really pay attention to it normally saying lawful evil. I'm like, they need a place to stay. I'm not going to throw it completely like he opens a door and it's just like Hulk smash. Like, that's kind of garbage to you guys after, you know, you traveled... Uh, across uh, an ocean of lava on a fucking giant lava snake and shit like that. In, um, not on, in. On, in, that's right, in its mouth. And uh, I was like, alright, this 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 city is going to be a trade city when I was developing that. I'm like, okay. Like, yeah, they're not, they're not going to be totally evil. Like, obviously, they're just going to have the cornucopia of different attitudes. And as you saw, like, you know, there were times with the whole, like, Sonus thing that they weren't able to do anything because their society is so based on the bureaucracy and the red tape of everything that they couldn't just go gangbusters through a neighborhood trying to find Sonus, even though Sonus was, you know, like, killing people and injuring people and, and grifting people out of money and, and the curses and stuff like that. Um, so so it, it became, like, this interesting kind of neutral ground in a very hostile realm. Well, I just kind of like the Afridi that was hanging out with Cax on the rooftop. Like, oh yeah, okay. You go get her. You go get her, buddy. You can do it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the fucking roof. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, think about this, though. Sonus is having the time of her life, not getting caught, just fucking up the entire bazaar in the fire realm, and all it took was selling a bag of rats to a kobold. Like a very vengeful. <laughs> we we, like, we talk about this as one of those sessions where when the, the you know like like I legit invented. I was like, all right, these guys have money, and I think every DM who runs a campaign comes across a scenario where 
uh, cursed items come into play. Whether or not it's a big effect, you know, that will last many sessions, or it'll just be a quick, like, oh, fuck, I need to now go spend money on a cleric who can, like, cure this curse for whatever, whatever thing. And I was like, all right, so I developed a group of magical items, and you guys weren't supposed to find out till you left the plane. Oh, these things are cursed. They do fucky things. And I, I, I had a whole... I'll, I'll try to find them in, in a few minutes. All of the list of items that I created. And and one of the items uh, would have allowed... Um, I, I specifically tailored it for Nyx to be able to cast a spell from an item similar to your absorber thing that you have on uh, Shadowfell now. Uh, but the thing is, when you went to go cast it, it um, it didn't go off right away, but you committed your action. So you went to cast a spell, but something was holding it up, and then it didn't trigger until your next turn. Like a delayed fireball? A delayed, yeah, a delayed fireball with no benefits. So it would have messed over it. Action Can you imagine, like, trying to throw a lightning bolt, a straight line spell, <laughs> and it goes off the following turn after the enemies it's aimed at have already moved? Yep. Like, uh, well, he thought about it. And I was like, all right, bag of holdings are always fun, so of course I'll have a bag of holding that spews out rats. And I was like, that, that was my favorite part. And I was just like, all right, I'm, I'm giddy, like, you... Like, he at least has that item. And, and you guys had talked about maybe going back to see, like, potentially peruse those items again. I think was one of the original plans before you went uh, to find items to present to uh, the, uh, the 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 Grand, Grand Sultan. Sultan. And that's, of course, when the, the session went off the rails was the vendetta that Cax now had against oh, Sonus. Yeah. like... It's still in my mind as one of the greatest off-the-book episodes we've ever done. <laughs> I mean, so that, you and I talked after that episode, and you were like, yep, I wrote none of this. I wrote none I of that. I had the intro and I was like, the bag of rats, and after that, I was just no control. That, for me, personally, was like a, a weird like litmus test to see, like, how, how okay of a DM am I to be able to, like create shit on the fly because of course when we usually like you guys know like when i make a map I'll, I'll i'll put a lot of attention to detail in it. i try to put little cool things i make sure there's a little bit of cover now and again i try to make i try to make them dynamic as the best i can and so, some scenarios i'm like all right no this is a straightforward fight here's a room here's a couple decorations fucking go at it and then i also will will work on because if i had time if i knew you guys were fighting sonus i would have had a proper like list of abilities and some special cool things because I, I use the menu, monster manual as like the base and I always tweak it. I, I usually never use a character straight out of there because a lot of times you do need to edit it to adjust for your party size. So like, cool, I have a cool monster here, but according to this, he's only a challenge rating one, but I want to use this monster. So I bump the stats up, I give him an extra ability or two and have some fun with that. And I had and no time to plan any of that. And just fucks it up. Yep. So I was just like, I was like, for, so wh while that session was going on, and you know, you guys splitting up to do that helped me out a lot inadvertently because what because I was able to jump from scene to scene 
that gave me the opportunity to like keep the wheels turning in my head about, all right, what's the next thing that's going to pop up? So I'm like, all right, there's going to be a little bit of a challenge for uh, a chase, if you will, of gathering information to find out, seeing if you can, you can find that. And there were the clues are out there. You guys rolled really high. Yeah, we did. On that. Yeah. I don't think we failed a single perception check. I don't think so. Yeah, you guys rolled super high on that and and that's the thing too is like when when I when I write out a session and I know a a, a certain role needs to come up like hey, in order to figure this out they need to do x y or z in my brain and I, I'll usually write it. I'm like, "All right, the 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 dice check is will be at a very minimum. It'll be a 15." And if they get higher than like a 20, there'll be additional information that will lead them on that. So usually those things are planned out, but to have to do that on the fly, I'm just like, fuck, freaking out, trying to like figure all that out. But I feel like the whole thing, even though it was effectively ad-libbed, the whole thing, I feel like the whole thing was done really well. Thank you. You know, even with like the, the, the final description after we all found and cornered her and ended up killing her, your description of the building worked pretty well you know a basic two-story home with a, a whole bunch in it and like after you know letting the storm sphere pass and you're like you notice that the air dissipates a little bit faster because you've blown a fucking hole out of the roof of the building <laughs> and you can see the afridi starting to float down in through the hole inquiring what the hell's going on all this crap even though none of it was planned or scripted sorry all matters of the gods episodes are scripted <laughs> Even the matters at hand are. I've got the. I've got my script. Yeah, we got the script all right here. Yeah, I had to study it all day. You should be on page three by now. Um, three? I'm on four. John's on page three. He's got fewer lines. Can't you tell? Oh, okay. Yeah, gotcha. I, I was gonna say I'm on page three. Like I'm pretty sure that's where I'm supposed to be. Pretty much most of his pages read. Wait for your turn. <laughs> wait for this phrase as a cue, and that's pretty much the entirety of his pages. Anyway, since none of it was written, but it was scripted, I feel like it came out pretty nice. I think so too. Yeah, you, know, you, you I feel guys like it came together pretty well. Oh, dude, that's one of my the favorite games we've had, at least for me. Oh yeah. So, so the time has passed, and and what better way to describe what I wanted to originally happen than than doing this here? So, originally, without the vendetta. You guys were gonna go shopping, right? To to originally, I think the plan was to gussy up the egg, right? To take the yeah. mantis egg and to like essentially find ways to to make it pop and essentially make it look like a Fabergé egg, which would be a, a great gift. So originally, uh, if that went according to plan, he did have a servant, right? The the, the Grand Sultan had a servant who came over, and he would have taken the egg and brought it over to the Grand Sultan. And I originally had it scripted where when he got to the Grand Sultan, he was going to trip. And the egg was going to splatter all over the Grand Sultan. And it was going to be this amazingly tense moment of, like, everyone is shocked. And the, pl the plan was for the Grand Sultan to just lose his shit and find it hilarious. And to, to, to the value of that would have been the whole scenario and how comic it turned out. Do you know how mad Thrym would have been about that? <laughs> <laughs> I feel that... like if the if the Sultan didn't kill the servant, Thrym would have. Oh yeah. Pissed <laughs> <laughs> off Thrym would have been. But yeah, because I was like, 
uh, I did kind of push because I think Veyron even suggested it, saying the egg was like your best option to move that forward. And oh, if yeah. you guys would have fought in it on it, I, we would have come up with something else. And and I think if you guys would have chosen something purchased at the bazaar, it would have become like a basic role. Is he impressed with it? If not, you know, we'll, we'll move in a different direction. But um, what if he wasn't? If he like, wasn't, what if we failed. What if we failed to make the Fabergé egg? What if we bought something in the bazaar and then we failed our our you know persuasion checks? Mm -hmm. Is that campaign, campaign over? over? No, over. no, I didn't. Originally, like, I didn't plan it as campaign he, he, over. He fucking murked. He murdered that fucking guy. Yes, that was the first bet Cax ever won. <laughs> too was that bet. <laughs> and then I took more of Key's money. Oh my god! If if you guys would have failed that, um, everybody but Veyron would have been put in a cell. And he the 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 thing about you guys is you guys essentially the plan he would have wanted was you guys would have been like this interesting menagerie of become uh, pets. become pets essentially because you guys are very unique to the elemental plane of fire. Like there's people out in the streets that are trading from different like obviously that that whole planet right, which we can go into in a little bit if you want. But to 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 stick with this is that you know to get into the Grand Sultan's chambers and for him to look you over and be like, oh, wow, we got a big guy, we got a dark-skinned elf, we got that chipper little guy over there, and this big dude decked up in armor. This is really interesting. I want to keep these guys. If, if it would have if it would have failed or crit failed or whatever. And then um, through the conversation with Veyron and some sweet talking from you guys would have gotten you out of it at a later date. Th Thrym would have a new character. Would have a new character. <laughs> he yeah. 100% would. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, he wouldn't go He wouldn't Thrym, go quietly into a cell. Thrym, Thrym would be dead. Yeah. <laughs> Thrym would have... I can totally see Thrym to, like, fighting that to the teeth. Even if he managed... Even if they managed to get him in the cell, I know full well he's doing everything he can to break out of that cell yeah. and just getting killed in the process. Yep. <laughs> he's not going back into slavery. It's not happening. Well, that's no. why I was, I was like, that's why Veyron's going to be on the outside to kind of be like essentially tell you guys be like just play along with it for now we'll figure out the details in a little bit and just essentially buy time to like process it yeah but, but we killed public oh yeah dude. <laughs> I, as soon as that happened right as, as soon as you guys did that as that was happening one of the other minor gears in the back of my brain was like if they end up killing this thing before it escapes then holy shit, the there because I, I wasn't sure what the fuck it was gonna drop for proof. I mean, essentially, it's a it's a form of wind with clothing, right? And I, that's when I was like, oh, I was like, okay, when it dies, like it drops its core, like that's essentially like its heart that keeps it together, right? And I was like, all right, if, if they, you know, if they kill it, Sonus drops the core, and what better fucking gift to present to him than hey, this thing's been costing you money. And he's just like, ah! The most important thing to them is money, so... Uh-huh. Yeah. But it, it ended up working out, in, in my opinion, really well. You guys really seem to enjoy all the different activities. I feel like it worked on a lot of s strong suits, right? Where, like, Cax went to the rooftops to scout. Like, we all had the ideas of what our characters would do. Uh, Key stuck with Veyron, and, and it turns out we ended up having one of the better like intercession jokes with the furniture being a thing. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
every single time it comes up, like stemming from that. And then you guys just doing your best to investigate and try to get to the bottom of something. Like everyone kind of like did their own thing. So we had a little bit of like goofiness. We had a good chunk of seriousness. We had the the vendetta that unfortunately for, for Cax, he couldn't commit to. He, like he got there just after it happened. But, uh, yeah. but... <laughs> it but, turns out falling off of a building kind of hurts a lot. That that kind of messes with, yeah, your with your momentum, for sure. Yeah, it, it throws <laughs> off the whole flow of your day, falling six stories. Uh, Xander, I actually have, have, like, a weird question. Mm-hmm. Where is Thrym in Cax's journal as far as good and bad? Because, yeah, he's kicked him down a vent at the same time when... Cax was like, let's go kill an air elemental. Thrym was like, nobody fucks with Cax. <laughs> like, and you asked him, so, like, if you find any any possums, just grab them. So he went and found possums. Like, <laughs> So, um, actually, uh, at the moment, everyone's in pretty good standing with Cax. Um, since, since Cax got smart, basically, is what we'll say, um, that journal has not been kept. Uh, purely because Cax just doesn't really care anymore. He, he's got other things that he's doing and working <laughs> on and trying to figure out for himself. Um, but uh, Thrym's always been in a decent standing with, with Cax, but his his competition is Nyx, who he really likes Nyx because Nyx has looked out for him. Um, and then Key, who Cax doesn't like Key like, at all, but he understands, like, he needs him there, basically. Um, because he's big and strong, and if if uh, if he tries to fight Key, he's probably going to die. It's his thought process. Um, unless he gets the jump on Key. But no, Thrym, Thrym's always been in decent standing. But not, like, not number one in the book for most liked. But no, the, in in Cax in Cax's mind, like he was gonna chase down the fucking air elemental himself if he had to, even if it meant going through the entire city of Brass to find that fucking air elemental. He was gonna do it. Like, does not like being crossed in the least, uh, which was clear by the fact that he lost five hundred gold or what was it, three hundred gold? I in, forgot the value. Yeah, it was like three or five hundred gold for this fucking bag. And he was willing to spend weeks hunting down this fucking air elemental for three hundred gold, even though I was sitting on like two thousand gold at the time. It's not about the money, it's about being tricked. He doesn't like being tricked and swindled <laughs> at all. So he was gonna hunt that fuck down. And it worked out. <laughs> it worked out really well. We found him. So. I mean, it costed you a hell of a lot more than that. When you fell off that roof, you threw a piece of platinum behind you. He, uh, platinum's platinum's ten to one, so ten gold to one platinum. So yeah, oh, yeah, lost, that's right. I lost ten gold, but I also caused probably like yeah. twenty gold worth of damages. True. I tossed ten gold and I ran away. <laughs> like, here you go. Like, you're just like, don't care. Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean. It was what was it? It was it was crates of of grain or something that he fell onto. Yeah, yeah. So that's gonna hurt, but you can salvage a lot of that grain. I'm sure it's not yeah, clean. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, there you go. Problem solved. So Heather's been awfully quiet. 
Have you any questions, comments, concerns? I haven't gotten that far. Like I said, I met Rax, who was very interesting. And the one thing I was honestly curious about is um, what made you guys decide to just name yourself Kevin and then come up with a bunch of random names and just completely fuck with Rex. Like, I'm honestly was curious about the mindset of that one. Uh, Hax went with Kevin because he didn't <laughs> want uh, to use his real name at all. Uh, with a with another kobold. I don't know why, like I went with that, but I kind of stuck with that as as Cax's thing is if people were giving false names, I also gave false names, and I was forced to choose whether or not I was giving a real name or a false name in that moment. So I gave a false name because that's what that's what Cax would do in that instance. Is I don't know if we're using real name or fake name, so I'm going fake name. And I'll go with a fake name uh, until we trust this person. Because uh, that's that's Cax's mindset is I I know that my or that like he or he knew to some extent that he's wanted um, or at least he's MIA in his gang and he doesn't want to go back to his gang because he yeah but you're in the fire plane isn't that like a complete other world though I don't think kind of at, I don't think it's so a like no one would Cax think to look at you. Look for you there, rather. Yeah, I don't think at the time Cax really knew the difference between planes, though. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> there, was a, there was a long period where he thought he was in, still inside the volcano, and the volcano was just really big. That is Cax's logic, 100%. Yeah, he's like, man, the inside of this volcano is pretty big. It was kind of weird that we went through a portal to get here, but, like, I mean, it's pretty big. So... I'm not going to do Cax's voice. My throat's a little too shot for that at this point. But, like, no, Cax didn't think anything of, of it in, in giving a false name. He's he's used to that kind of thing as well. Like, it's quick, easy, and it was a two-syllable name. So it's well within his reach. I was just curious, because, like, I didn't know if that stemmed from earlier, and I think the last episode, where... He was Veyron, and that's where the fake name thing came oh, about. Oh, that was the best. That was funny. <laughs> Dude, he hated being mistaken for Veyron. I, I think it was it was an interesting like shift. How did that word. even happen? Uh, like, he was he went up to the Afridi's door um, to introduce the group as having Lord Veyron in it. And the Afridi thought that he was Veyron. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. And yeah, I, I think that was an important step for for you guys and, and people listening to um, get to know Veyron a little bit more. Where, you know, essentially, okay, sure, this guy, you know, of course, you know, following Nix's uh, point of view in the whole thing, this guy claims he's Veyron, but he's... He's not that much more powerful than, you know, somebody who can wield pretty decent magic at the time because of how, like, weak he's become. And I'm like, all right, I need to kind of develop a little bit more about his personality. So I figured and, and I, I thought it would be... Well, I know oh, you guys oh. had some distrust with Feyron, too, where you didn't yeah. think he was actually who he said he was. Yeah. So that's I, why I, you guys were kind of cautious, I guess. Absolutely. And I wanted there to be this moment of, like, levity where, like, 
Veyron isn't vain, right? Like, he he can be, in a lot of circumstances, very humble. Well, I believe any god can be vain. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's almost, like, the standard, right? It's like, oh, this, you know, gods are fucking... is essentially, like, what, what Locutus is. Very, very cocky, I know fucking everything, whatever, mortal, get the fuck out of my face. But, yeah. but Veyron, you know, because of his experiences and and his matter of, like, viewpoint on slavery and stuff like that, he, he doesn't want these guys to... If he, 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 he needs them to get out, and he needs to show the, 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 the human, quote-unquote, side of him, too. So for him to roll with the idea that, that, that he is Veyron and to kind of joke about it, like, added, added that, that kind of fun comic relief to the whole thing, uh, while kind of showing that, like, Veyron doesn't take himself all that seriously, and he's willing to, like, you know, have a laugh and, and be one of the common rabble, you know, as, as, as this delicate mission of escaping the plane is, is happening. And I thought that was, that was a fun, fun moment, especially, yeah, the fact that Key was, like, wanted nothing to do with it, because he, he felt it was almost like a, like a blasphemy. He was committing with that, and Veyron was like, "No, no, no! You're you're Veyron. Get the fuck out of here." <laughs> so I found uh, the list. If you guys are interested, because we are we are well be, be beyond that point. Yeah, I want to know because I'm pretty sure Tax still has two of those rings. I'm pretty sure I'm still sitting on a potion. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you want to share those because we are <laughs> sitting on them. So. Yeah, I mean, we can easily play the characters as ignorant. Yeah, we're not, I we're think not that's well within our characters. abilities. Well, I think I mean, yeah, I'll probably like, forget. Ignorance anyways, is bliss. So. <laughs> I'm not gonna well, lie. Actually, I'll the, those forget. those items are are interesting. The ones you guys have on you, those uh, uh especially because you got those uh those items from the bag, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So those items I have on a separate list. Ooh, then this. yeah, tell us about the other yeah, ones. Yeah, the, these were the ones that Sonus had for sale. Um and I will I will omit the the potion uh for for Robin slash Nix's sake. But the ring of slight delay was the one I kinda wanted Nix to purchase. Uh at the end of each long rest, you could use one spell that you know and cast at the po- possible lo- lowest possible level without expending a spell slot. But the curse is that it, the spell will be delayed. Um, originally, it says if they choose a level one spell, then the spell they cast will be delayed one d four turn. But I was oh. like, okay, that's 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 rough. I was like, okay, it'll delay it one turn, and call it a day there, because that's fucking having to hold your spell for like three turns. Literally, um, I feel like would make a, a character just like re, and not have fun. So. So it was that it's a hell of a fucking curse. That's an awful curse. I wanted Thrym to pick up the Ring of Strength, or 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 uh, or Key. So it was a, a simple black metal band. The curse I had to tweak with it because yet again I found a list of curses, but they were way too powerful. So I had to like tweak them a bit. So the Ring of Strength would have given you plus two strength but a negative 20 to health. You would have lost 20 hit points. Dude, like I would max and or just in max. general? Max. Ouch. 
and but and, and unfortunately for anyone who have it, the ring, the the items you could equip, like the uh, the ring of slight delay, and then the 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 ring of strength, you wouldn't have been able to take that off. Right, being cursed until like yeah, so that would have been rough having your frontline fighter minus twenty to its total hit points at that point would have Ooh. been like what like a quarter of your health just gone. Yeah. So that's yep. a third of my health still. And then that's finally, mine. <laughs> the, one, the one I will divulge is the uh, uh, actually it was a possessed item called the possessed hatchet. Ooh. Um. It gave a plus two to attack and damage rolls, but it was a, it was a hand axe, so it wasn't crazy, but it was a nice ranged weapon. So I figured either Key, being a paladin and not having a lot of range options, or Thrym would have been interested in that. Uh, but if you rolled a one or a two on your attack roll, a whisper would have swamped into your brain, and you would have been you would have had to do an extra melee attack roll against a friendly creature within reach. Oh, dude, I would have loved having that. <laughs> so the That'd the ring, so awesome. The ring Thrym really wanted was the spell ring. Oh my god! Honestly, wouldn't have been bad for him because ninety percent of the time his spells are right up close and personal anyway. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it would have sucked. But then it would have. Did it take your action the next turn to use it? see well all of your spells are bonus actions aren't they like green no. flame blades a bonus uh that's that's a cantrip oh, okay fair play fair yeah play. but is it a bonus or is it an action because even cantrips require either a bonus uh, an well, action or a bonus action as an eldritch knight i can cast a cantrip as an action and still get an, a melee attack so it gives me my extra so attacks as one of your extra attacks right and yeah. like green flame blade is a melee weapon attack, like you cast it on your weapon. Right. Mm -hmm. Like a smite, it, almost. Yeah. yeah. Except you still have to uh, roll to hit. Or it's before yep. you roll to hit. Where smite's I, like, oh, I hit, so now I'm going to smite. I think originally I, I had intended it to... Um, it would delay the spell, so it wouldn't go off at the end of your turn, but when your turn came back again, you'd realize it's taking longer than normal, and you could either commit to it, which would take your action, or stop trying to channel the spell, but you'd lose the spell slot like, to be able to do something that. else. So a caster oh, yeah, would no. have gotten fucked by that hardcore. Yeah, I, I, that, I wouldn't have liked that either. You I was like, if it... get that, yeah, fucker, yeah. <laughs> well, so so you guys had had because I I because I made that list a while ago when you guys originally were going into that area and it just never never came up with the session and then you guys got involved in the um the the fetch quest to go find out what happened to the shipment in the uh the wherever the hell you guys went um yeah. so so afterwards water you know world. water world that was a that was a fun one to come up with too so i was like I don't know what the fuck I want to do with this, but I'm like, what what would these people want from you guys, right? Like, obviously, you guys fucking 10 grand again, you guys run into these scenarios where, like, shit you need 
to like progress just costs an obscene amount of money. And the 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 two things, you know, you got bartering or paying the money for it. Or doing something that you could earn the money for it. And it makes sense that you guys would just do a task. That way you save your money for, for future things. Um and I was like, well, what 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 do the Afridi need from outside of the plane of fire? I'm like, these guys can fly. You know, they they have like the wisps on the bottom like genies do. They don't have the legs um, unless they want to project them. So they can fucking fly wherever the hell they want. What the hell would they need from there? I'm like, well, they're fire creatures. They wouldn't like water very much. I'm like, underwater. We haven't done that before. <laughs> so that was kind of like, that was the, the beginning of like, all right, like, let's Let's make a little short adventure into this deep, dark ocean filled with terrifying, like, nautical monsters. I miss did we? Did we have a chance against the uh, ship-sized ship hermit crab squid? Did we have I, a chance? I didn't make stats for it. So, no. But... I think with it with enough probing with the monster, you would have found like the uh, the eye stalks would have been a weak spot, and um, somehow getting into the ship to attack it from within would have been very effective too, because all of its armor is on the outside, like a like a hermit crab. It's got like its soft bits like wrapped up on the inside of the ship to use as like as like shelter. So if, if combat went in that direction, I, I wouldn't have hesitated at all. Like, I was like, all right, there's a 50-50 chance you guys are going to get aggressive with this or uh, follow the directions of the guy uh, down below. And of course, I was like, I, I, I knew there was like a chance. I'm like, they're, they're maybe not going to trust this guy. And I, lo and behold, like, Nix was just like, the fuck is this? Fuck off. We're trying to fight a giant hermit crab. Go away. <laughs> Thrym attacked him. Yeah, we all did. Yeah. Thrymcast told the dead on him. I, uh, pretty sure I did, a uh, Sacred Flame, Sacred Flame against one of the tentacles to try to free Key. Mm-hmm. Or Cax, because one of them had gotten grappled, and I was like, alright, let's parry this, you fucking casual. <laughs> With a cantrip. <laughs> <laughs> I had, uh, I forget what the spell's name is, but like it's a roll to attack, and I rolled a 19 and ended up with like a 22 or a 23. And you're like, Yeah, that's a miss. Mm-hmm. I was like, You gotta like, be it, fucking it, kidding it, me. It hit it, but it ain't penetrating anywhere within that monster's body at all. Yeah, because the armor is fucking insane. No, I yeah, I, I forget. I, yeah, like you said, I forget what you used, but you rolled like stupid high on your attack roll, and he's just like, Oh, you missed. And we're like, a 23 misses? That's what you know, fucking, when you're playing 5th nah, edition this, out. and a 20-something misses, you're like, yikes. We need to go, we need to go do some side quests really quick. Yeah. <laughs> Monster, stay there for a minute. We'll be back yep. in like five seconds, gotta, okay? We gotta go kill yep, we'll like 10,000 rats. <laughs> One XP each. I That was cool, too, because I, I had to develop, I wanted, you know, I wanted there to be descriptions of like, the the environment right and the it, it probably would have never gone in that direction but i essentially had to cr- create in my brain and lore ready to go for uh 
the like people that lived on that water world and the, the trade agreement that they had with the Afridi and the city of brass. And it, we, we never went in that direction, but I, I had a little bit ready in how they would be pretty alien like and kind of give you a glimpse of like, I, I think you guys had figured out that you weren't on Faerun anymore. You, you know, you weren't in a different elemental plane. You essentially were on a different planet was like the sense. I tried to like, really like, push yeah, into that. that and so like if for some weird reason you guys you know decided to fucking go back up and like fuck off with that and do whatever like it would it would have been interesting to see like the the culture of you know if you ran into one, one of the race that lives on that planet but it's it's the kind of like pondering game right or like i'll develop like a little like I'll it'll be like two or three sentences max and either that two or three sentences is going to turn into like five written pages of like you guys want pardon me wanting to know more or it's just going to stay you know a couple sentences that are just part of like the background lore and it's it's kind of cool to see what fletches out to that and what kind of just shrinks off to the side as like a detail no, we we just say fuck the entire campaign. Like Loth can't get us here. Yeah, right. She has no fucking. <laughs> there's no idea where the fuck that is. <laughs> All right. Given that, I believe it's time to take our break. We will be right back. I, I am. I don't. I don't. I don't want to say I'm grateful we're not playing tonight. Because because as we're as we're doing this on my other screen, I'm like. As I as I talk with you guys and it, like like normal as I'm going throughout my week, I'm like thinking of like the scenarios that are going to be up in the next session, and I realize that the monsters that I had for one of the first fights wasn't cutting it. So I found something even more appropriate and cool for it. So I've pretty much already migrated it into uh, roll twenty, and I just need to roll. I, I just need to do stats for it later. But I got like the token already, and I got the names and everything, and I already have an idea like the abilities. Don't throw so, your cheese at me. I think this will be this will be cool. So in a, in a weird way, I think this will make our next session a little bit more oh, no, no, punchy. No. Can we discuss something briefly? Yeah, I want to get your guys' take on it too. Ethan's DMing and in like monster and map management of his of his combat phases. You guys you guys think that's balanced? <laughs> you think it's you think I it's skewed? I I think every every single DM in the history of DMing is never prepared for their first fight, right? Where a lot of times and it still happens now where I'm like, "All right, here's my encounter." And then the first fucking damage that hits it like knocks it down by more than half its health, and I'm like, "Fuck!" So there, there can, in a lot of circumstances, not every time. I think a lot sometimes keeping it stable is good, but sometimes you do need to tweak shit in the middle of the fight to make it a little bit more either dramatic or to make more sense. Oh, I've, uh, I've for a... whatever is going. So I, I think he had to do a lot of tweaking as the fights went on to accommodate like the damage we were doing well i a I'm, a, shit. I'm guilty a hundred percent of boosting an enemy's health oh, yeah. mid-fight before 
Yeah. I've done that, or I did that, uh, a, I think, two times in this session that I DM'd with my buddies. Um, after that, though, I religiously would go into their character sheets, look at all of their fucking skills, all of their spells, all of their attacks, and then I would start thinking, okay, so if they face... If the fucking fighter faces off with somebody... He's going to get within melee range because, first of all, he's a new player. He's not going to think about doing damage as he's approaching, right? Throw a dagger as you're 30 feet out, you know, whatever. Um, he's going to think, bolt straight in, get up in their face. Um, so I started thinking about that. Okay, so this is first damage. This is first round total damage if everything hits. If it doesn't hit, you know, things like that. And then I think after... After my third session, I only had to tweak one health, and that was because I overtuned a monster. Um, but like, I just felt like both of our combats in Ethan's one shot. I was like, I am genuinely afraid we're gonna lose someone here. Oh yeah, and I almost think that's part of his design too. I honestly think that was his design. Uh, he was trying to get wipe us out real fast. At the same time. Because I talked to him afterwards, like after you guys left, and said some of the things. He was way nicer than I would have been. <laughs> yeah, because you, you like take me as a D, or I, I, I have you pinned as a DM. That's like, I'm a fuck, I'm a fuck you up. Oh no, what? don't. If you it, don't it, live, that's on you. I mean, it's, <laughs> in some ways, yes, but like, so when uh, Warren Dimension Doored and went down with that lance. Yeah, I would have let you hit. I would have let you do all the damage on top of that. But I said it in the podcast. I would have had you hanging on your lance and you were going to take fall damage because you landed on a fucking giant if you let it go or you were going to have to be stuck dangling there. I was fully prepared to take fall damage in doing that. Yeah. When I made, when I made that choice, I'm, it was a calculated risk. I will take some fall damage, but I'm going to quadruple the damage I can do with this lance. However... Warren would have let go of the lance because it is his um it's like a bound weapon the lesson the, the he yeah he's he's packed of the packed of the blade that is his bound weapon he's a so warlock he, too yeah fuck yeah <laughs> yeah he's packed of the blade warlock so he could have he would have let go of the weapon and just used his action on the next turn to call the blade back to his hand that's so cool. We got two warlocks. There's, there's, no, there's no need to retrieve it as a warlock because I can just... It yeah. takes an action, but I can just call it back. Mm -hmm. It just is. Um, I just went with it. With so I was fully prepared for that. Warlock. And uh, Well, another thing, like, I talked to him. So at the start of Smoke's turn, when he went unconscious, he was supposed to make a strength save. He couldn't make that save. If he failed that save, he was supposed to take damage. Meaning, he didn't have a chance to make a death save. Right. He would have died. And that's, like, I tried to say something about that, and Ethan's like, you're unconscious, just let it go. And I was like, alright, cool. Yeah. But, like, well, they, I think maybe he's not intending try, trying to kill us, but to, like, make it stressful by knocking us out of the fight. Yeah. And is... I wouldn't have allowed Dimension Door to work, either. Good idea, but you I bastard. was... I was captured by a root. Not at that moment. 
when I came to retrieve Smoke's body, the blight had been killed. The tree blight had been killed, and had released you. You'd been dropped yeah, to the ground. Was that the th was that yeah, the case? Yeah, was that that was okay. That never mind then. Which is, and um, dimension door requires a willing creature. Uh, you are neither willing nor unwilling. You're unwilling, so it works. Yeah. You're neither willing nor unwilling because you're just a body. At that point, I am picking you up and just poofing you out. No, I thought I thought I was still wrapped up. Um, no, no. Had you been still wrapped up uh, as a DM with a character trying to pull that stuff, if you had still been wrapped up, I would have asked for like dexterity checks or something to get yeah. around the roots to make sure that I've got a firm hold on you before I can dimension door. But uh, yeah, it's interesting playing a caster who's extremely limited on his casting. Mm -hmm. Warlocks are um, interesting. But yeah, no, he's he's a warlock. He just he's not aware that he's a warlock. Mm. That's that's the thing that I, I I have hardly touched on. But that little voice in his head that said that the parents were a threat mm -hmm. is his patron deity. Are you using Great Old One? You, what are you using? I forget what I bound him to. I did pick something from the list, but I forget what I bound him to, and I don't think it was the great old one. I I take every fucking time I take the fiend. Oh, it's no. so good. I know what it is. I, it's the hexblade. Yeah. Oh, that's right. It was the hexblade. Yeah. 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 The hexblade. You and I talked about that. It's the hexblade. He has yet to have a chance to use Hexblade's curse because I looked into it. I can only do it once per rest. So like, yeah, that hasn't been revealed yet. And he hasn't used oh, fuck. Eldritch Blast. He hasn't, he's, he's a got a good slots. selection of spells. He's got a nice. good selection of spells, but like he is not aware of what he has. He's an automaton who was told to protect children. And now he's being guided by, uh, a cursed spirit and he doesn't understand it Xander a warlock that doesn't wear armor yeah fuck yeah. is wrong with you the fuck is wrong with you dude I took plate mail and thanks to being a warforged it becomes um, melded with his body so so I run I run three classes and I run those classes very, very differently. I run um, paladins, just fully fucking decked, pick up rings of protection, get like plus two shields, like fucking hyper tanks. But they're uh, they're the they're like fallen paladins. They're they're uh, oathbreakers, ah, which makes it super fun. So I'm no, I'm a hyper tank oathbreaker, um, and then I run. An edge lord. Uh, <laughs> I run warlocks with no armor that stay far fucking out of the fight, like always out of the fight. <clears throat> Unfortunately, can't do that in the, in this setting. And then the other one that I've I've been wanting to run is I want to run something similar to Phidias but like a medium armor Thidius, like a bard that gets into the fight and fights with a rapier. Oh, so a college of sorts. If you I still through yeah. the window, stab. Like, you still get all the spells <laughs> and whatnot, you just get all the extra from 
your yeah. weapon, like swords and whatnot. Like yeah, like I'm a frontline bard as opposed to a backline bard. But no, my warlocks, my warlocks play backline as fuck because I can drop a blight for seventy two damage. Yeah. True. Like blight's actually on my list. One of my like my buddy, I I used to play. I, I took. Um, in two feats, I took medium and then heavy armor proficiency on a warlock, and he was like, "Can, can you not do that anymore?" And I was like, "Yeah, okay. I'll if you refund me this feat, I'll take medium armor warlock." And he refunded me that feat, and then I got spells like spell sniper or something. So my three hundred range, uh, my three hundred foot range eldritch blast turned into a six hundred foot range eldritch blast. Nice. And I would just, I would just sit there and go, "Can I see him? Yeah, you can see him. All right, there you go. There's your damage." And I just fucking blasted people because it doubles the range of Eldritch Blast, which is already at 300 feet because of the Eldritch Spear. And yep. I'm just nailing them for fucking 1d10 plus five for three beams. And the way I always worded it is that one one hits, the second one swirls around it, and then the third one cr uh, creates a double helix around the first initial blast. And it just all impacts at the same time, blowing a hole through somebody. That's sexy. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> ready to get back to it? No. I chose a homebrew class. Fuck you guys. I you did, I, and I love I, your class. I wanted it's, to uh... choose a, a homebrewed uh, patron, but... I feel like that would be broken as fuck, too. <laughs> Robin got to see it. Robin got to see that homebrewed patron. <laughs> I did. Matt? I'll share that spell after the after the session. Hello. What? He, he stabs people. He's a stabby vampire. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, so the, the so I found a homebrew, and I, I, I checked it over with Ethan to see if he was kosher with it. And it's 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 pretty basic. I mean, fighters that don't go into like some interesting archetypes can kind of get shoehorned in, and that makes sense to have like this very like boisterous personality, right? Or if like you're not going to do a lot of shit in combat, your RP's got to be pretty pretty snappy. Um, but it's interesting some of the different things, and what I've unlocked so far with it is canny defense. Uh, while wielding a finesse weapon, which is his rapier, uh, and not wearing an armor or a shield, your AC is equal to 10 plus your intellect modifier plus your deck, which equaled up to 19 without any armor at all. Nice. Which I thought was pretty fun. And then uh, and, uh, uh, two different abilities go with this thing called precise sword play, where I have a pool of precision dice equal to your dexterity modifier. And I made sure as I gained my fighter levels that I maxed dexterity to 20. So I'd have five of these precision dice. Um, so if I did precise strike, which is my offensive one, I get to roll that pool of d4s. Five d4s, and then add them onto my damage if I strike. Which is pretty snappy. And then the other one is I can reduce the damage of any weapon attack I receive by the precision dice plus my proficiency bonus. So I'll take damage, but holy fuck, it's going to be severely reduced. But it has to be a weapon attack and not like claws or magic and shit like that. So when we fought the uh, the the blights and the 
what were they with displacer beasts Dis yeah displacer beasts when we fought those i i couldn't use pairing blade on it so i'm like all right i'm just gonna keep stabbing step 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 stab and then yeah. there's like one or two other things but it's a really basic fighter archetype but i was like all right this will allow me to really like focus on the rp of it and just my my turns will be super quick i just approach I'm either parrying or I'm attacking and then just moving on. And I'm like, all right, I like this. It's fun. One thing you RP'd pretty well, and I wasn't sure how you were going to handle it, but with like smoke with his passive perception being 21, like he sees basically everything that happens around him. Mm -hmm. I... So I was like, I'm totally calling him out on being a vampire. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I was messaging, uh, is that how you spell his name, Joseph, in, in real life? Joseph. Joseph? Jo Joseph with a Z. Okay. Yeah. All right. I wasn't sure if that was like his like gamer tag or if, his, nope. if it was his real name. Yeah, uh, his so real name. I messaged him privately because I once I realized, because I was hoping someone would play a paladin or a cleric. Because I'm like, vampires and them don't get along. And I realized that there'd be some cool RP opportunities with that. So I messaged him once I found out. I was like, Hey, what's your passive perception? Because I wanted to know if he would catch on a few of the cues. And then, and as time went on, like, obviously my backstory would bleed into it a little bit. And then you forced my hand on it. And I was like, perfect timing. This is great. So, of course, I just tried to, like, play, like, 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 crowd control, like, yeah, minimize the damage. I rushed up to you. I'm like, keep it down. Keep it down. Like. And like stamp it out with you before it like got a control and no actually i i like that that happened i thought that was a cool moment that i was able to let uh the other players and the listeners know like this is essentially what this character is about but yeah that was, i'm that's having my some thing. issues with my character like i enjoy my character but like i feel very limited to what i can do and i'm still trying to like learn a little bit so when it comes to combat i'm having some difficulty figuring out well you're a rogue right yeah Ro rogue assassin yeah, yeah. so so I'm limited on daggers and i only have a short sword that's what i have yeah and i think that's just kind of like we were talking about with mine where i have a couple different things i can do but that's about it Especially yeah. coming off of playing a druid, right? Where, like, you have this whole suite of different things you can do. And, but then he you move on to a... Huh? Oh, Alice ranger, Arrow. my bad. Alicera was not a ranger. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Alicera was an interestingly built character. She yeah. was neither druid nor ranger. What the fuck was she? I want to know now. Clark. Oh! That that does make sense with some I, of the healing spells, because I was like, druids don't have these. You're, oh, you're oh, you're fucking right. Oh, wow. I never thought about that. I was she like, was oh, they got, they got some healing spells. Oh, that's interesting. Um, she was a cleric of the god Sylvanus. Who was essentially a god of the forest. Mm-hmm. So that's that's how whole, she got her power. So Makes that's how the whole druid thing came. You know, that, that that's where the, the it implies druid, but mm -hmm. it is not. 
Huh. She is a cleric of Sylvanas who specializes in a bow. So that's that's probably literally all the different things that threw me on. Like nature, bow, got to be one of those two classes. Um, <laughs> but what's real fun is that she could do divine strike on an arrow. Oh, yeah, that so, was a fun one. While the arrows don't deal like a fuck ton of damage, you know, a single D6 or whatever, mm -hmm. she had really fucking good range. And a divine strike just adds an extra D8 or two of an elemental yeah. damage. It's basically shooting a mini nuke at someone mm -hmm. with high rolls. So, 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 yeah, going from even yeah, even a clear clerics are moderately complicated too. And then when when you go then to like a class like a rogue or a fighter, it's like all right, I could do like four things, and then that's it. So it's it's. It's an interesting comparison, and and the the pros and cons of that. I feel like, yeah, like like I said, like with 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 uh, Laszlo, it's more about the RP than it is like the the different options in combat. Like I, I didn't really care to do that this time, versus uh, Dalinar had, you know, a, a, a lot of different things he could do at any given time. Yeah. But yeah, I, th I think it all has a place, right? Especially with one shot to let you experiment with, with different things that you normally wouldn't do. Do or you know uh, uh, an eldritch knight that all of a sudden now you're playing a, a, a rogue and and doing all sorts of different things and and trying, trying out some other stuff that you haven't done before, you know, with a different personality. Like it all just goes hand in hand with it. It's pretty nice. Yeah. Well. Heather, I have a question for you. Did you not take a short bow intentionally, or I is a short bow? Or do you mean for the rogue? For her rogue, oh. because no, I had... didn't want to. I wanted to do okay. a completely different weapon and class and all of that stuff. Well, yeah, I wanted well, to try something completely different. Well, the reason oh. I was asking is a rogue comes with the option of a rapier or a short sword, so you pick the short sword. Mm -hmm. So unless you're deal dual wielding short swords, which you haven't said you are, you also get an option of a short bow with 20 arrows or a short sword. Oh. And as far as I know, we built her with a single short sword and a belt full of daggers. But being level nine, like you start with two daggers anyway, being level nine, it makes sense. You picked up a bunch of daggers along the way. Yeah. Which is why I figured we that concerned about how many she threw. Yeah. So I mean, if you, I mean, it's kind of canon now, but like. I mean, I didn't know that was an option having a short bow. Yeah, if you go into like when starting we were equipment, a character, oh, if I you go into starting equipment for a rogue, it's you start with a rapier or a short sword, and then a short bow with a quiver of twenty arrows or a short sword. Oh. Uh, yeah, I thought about that too after because since yeah, but wouldn't she need the dual wielding feat? Like, what good does it do to have two uh, short swords if she can only attack once? Smoke doesn't have the dual wielding feat. That was never an option when we were making the character, though. Yeah, At least in roll twenty, it wasn't. Unless she gets extra attack at level nine, and I just never noticed. Uh, you don't need extra attack. You can dual wield without. You just lose the bonuses when you attack with mm -hmm. it. So you don't get the extra, you don't get the proficiency on your other hand. So you lose that ability to hit more. 
Right, but then she'd have to burn her bonus action to attack. The action economy doesn't make sense. You'd have to use your action to do an attack with one sword, burn a bonus action for the second attack because she doesn't have extra attack built into the character. I think... I gotta look it up, but I don't think that's how it works. Uh... Yeah... The... Books say whenever you use the attack action, you can make an additional attack with your offhand weapon as a bonus action. Oh. Well, that's not the way it works in this one shot, because... Smoke's been doing it the entire time. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah, I got very familiar with that with Nyx. Yeah, he did at the beginning. Because in the few moments where he's been forced into melee, you know, he's got Shadowfell in his hand, but and he has daggers, and he's had to use his offhand with the daggers. But every time I do it, I can't do, you know, the... I can't have the proficiency bonus and have to burn my bonus action to do it. Okay, well. Yeah, it's pretty pretty much the consensus I'm seeing on here. It's like dual wielding in fifth edition, even with like you know like the, the the feats and stuff like that that go with it. It's not as optimal, like combat wise, but for flavor, it's pretty fucking cool. Yep. All right. Yeah, well. I thought about that too. I think we're in the same boat where. Um, when I made my character, I, di I didn't know the situation we were going into, right? Where he just said, yeah, you guys are going to be captured. And I'm like, all right, well, and then that, in the opportunity with that, I would only have my rapier on me. And then That's as what then, I was thinking. I'm only going to have like two weapons on me because I'm yeah. captured. Yeah. So, so I, was, I was like, okay, like I'm not going to need a ranged weapon and I'll just approach them. Um, cause the class is the, the class I did choose was, it was a dampier. And they naturally have a 35 uh, foot movement. So I'm like, all right, I'm quicker than an average human so I can get up and fight. And then when he showed the map and it's like they're like 100 feet away, I'm like, fuck. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to no, have to waste turns. I and... But I, di I did that at first, too. When I was first playing with maps, I made I made maps that were way too fucking big. And then realized later, I'm like, we're all just wasting our turns, like trying to close the gap. So, um on my maps, you'll notice like a lot of them now are more compact, just to just to make that like less fucky because that's that's not nearly as fun. Oh well, every everyone spends their first two turns just getting into place, and hey, if you have a ranged weapon, you can pelt at them. But well, so you guys remember the uh, the 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 field swamp forest map from Remedy, mm -hmm. where like all the goblins were eliminated originally. My original idea for Remedy before Alicera was even conceived, um, that was where the entire one shot was going to take place, wherein you guys would have to move around that map and deal with the problems in its various sections. So you oh, had one cool. massive map, and like originally the hexes on it were super fucking tiny. I actually tried to make it realistic. To a giant field with a lake in the middle of it and a big ass forest and mountains ahead of you like it would have taken you like 200 feet just to get through that forest to the mountains and it was it was huge <clears throat> and it was intended so that you guys were like you know i'd open up the story you guys are all sitting around a campfire at the middle in the middle of the night and i had like fog of war built into it and i was building like um 
I was putting up tree trunks in the forest to act as shadows, vision blocks, so as you guys moved through the forest, you'd only be able to see as if you were looking through a forest. That kind of thing. Like, I built the whole fucking thing, and I was going to make this, like, complex story where you guys were fighting down. I was actually going to bring back the lich. Woo! <clears throat> the, the lich that you guys fought on the second to last fo floor, he said, I will return. And he was going to return. He was going to, even though the, that whole thing was a kind of a figment of Fudd's imagination, the lich was going to come back because this is some weird mix of necromancy and child's imagination. Mm -hmm. um, he was going to come back in a much more powerful form and you were going to have to deal with like a whole bunch of undead and other nasty made-up creatures. Um, and the other point is that the map was huge so that I could play other one-shots and only have to use that one map. I just confine you guys to one section of it. <clears throat> it's always, but it's always didn't fun really to think happening. about what, what goes on the cutting room floor, you know? Huh. That's like why, like, at, like, like, we're having these conversations now where we're, you know, going back and talking about different things, and everything that I'm talking to you guys about is, like, in the past, um, but there are a lot of ideas of mine and a, a few maps that I've made that still haven't come back, and I'm keeping those for the off chance or the future that I can either use a map oh, yeah. that I it's haven't done or enemies and things like that. Like, there are some enemies I don't have on the Roll20 list that I have in my files that I'm ready to just make stats for and stuff like that. But that's kind of the that's kind of the fun thing. And, and if I have a lot to take away from this campaign where we've gotten so far, is that a lot of my ideas that, like, you know, you know, in the future, if I ever, you know, DM again, that there's either minor story elements or a character that either with you know it, it would it would have to be with a different group right where i wouldn't want to reuse the same i wouldn't want to bring back like clint for you guys again but i could take that character and put him in a different game and like use that archetype so there's a lot of cool things even if you never use it in your current game or even now there's a cool opportunity that later on you could alter a little bit of it or shoehorn it in somewhere there there's this one cave map that is, it's, I've planned on it coming up, but it never comes up. But I have a cave map on roll 20, ready to go. Everything's planned out, but there's just never been an interesting opportunity for me to plug it into where we're at. And maybe someday we will, but if it doesn't, whatever. I've had the idea for it. It's on roll 20. New campaign. Hey, look, I already have this suite of maps. Because 100%, like, like, to go back Jack's to what you said, like... Blunking. Yeah, if 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 I've made these maps, like a few of them, like think about your basic one where you guys fought the uh, the Whitecap gang on your way back from the uh, the graveyard, and the hill that was off to the left and everything. There's no reason a campaign from now we can't use that map over again for a forest ambush or whatever the hell have you. Or if you guys wanted to do an ambush, yep, here's your map. Oh, it's that same map, but now you guys are up on the hill trying to ambush you know, a caravan or a group of whatever. Like, there's a lot of a lot of cool opportunities that even though they won't hit right now, there's a good chance they might come back later. Yeah, so Thrym and Nyx are definitely going back to Aramakos to burn the fucker down. Well, Aramakos? Yeah, yeah. Not Aramakos, he's my baby. I still have the sun orb. 
You do still have the sun orb. I never let that bitch go. <laughs> I'm waiting until I have ninth level spells, and I'm gonna hit it with a ninth level lightning bolt just to see what fucking happens. Oh my god, it's the equivalent of like doing a fucking like fusion reactor black hole. It just sucks all of reality into it. Hey Loth, want to meet my little boy? <laughs> so like, yeah, I'm honestly of... looking forward to uh, being in the new campaign that you guys make. I already have a character in process right now who basically the way I made her is she's going to be a cleric and a rogue. Because I find that interesting and I kind of want to keep exploring different areas of D&D and experimenting with different things. Yeah, a cleric rogue. I don't think I've ever heard of a cleric rogue before. I am into that idea. Right? Oh, God. I can think how that can go horribly well. (laughs) (laughs) Horribly well. I love that phrase. Uh, what's, What's the name of it? I think you're thinking, if you're thinking the same thing as me, I'm thinking of Pass Without a Trace. Well, it's not even just that. There's a whole, like, there's a whole cleric set up basically to just sap life from everything that totally goes with, like, rogue sneak attack and everything else. Like, they have spells. It's like, oh, like, oh, uh, it's instead of, uh, it's not circle because those are druids. Oh, domain? It's the domain of death. So they have the (laughs) life one, and one of the expansions is either Exanthiers or Tasha's. They have the domain of death. Yeah. That's a fun one. Do you want to pronounce that expansion again for me? Which one? Say that again. Uh, Not Tasha's, the other one. (laughs) I pronounced it the way it's written out. And that is. Exanthiers. Gotcha, thank you. Xanathar's. Yeah. <laughs> it's 100% pronounced Xanathar. Xanthar's. Right now, you fucking Mung. Xanthar's a cooler name. Mung. I'm going to start calling Xander Xanthar from now on. <laughs> I'd rather you not. <laughs> you got a problem with that, Xanthar? But no, like, talking about pulling like characters from one thing and putting it into another i ran a game where they were told to find this serial killer and the serial killer was jack oh there you go and it was just random bodies were found outside all of these bar all of these bars and it turned out all of these bars had a certain bard that played in every one of these bars Oh, okay. <laughs> That's where uh, Jack and Thidius. Jack and Thidius. It, it kind of bled. I I told you guys that uh, the the campaign that I play with Pat, uh, we got TPK'd, and we were we were all very comfortable with that. We'd been playing for about sixty sessions, and did our story not come to a beautiful ending absolutely not but we were like all right we we got where we got we knew you know death was always a thing whatever so anyway when my character died the first thing i fucking did was there's a website called uh uh pfsrd uh i think it's like 20 pfsrd and it's for pathfinder and it ha- it's literally like 
every single document on Pathfinder compiled on one website. And it, it's pretty good at like labeling out all the different things. So when my character died, what did I do? I was like, all right, next session, I got to figure out a character. And even before I chose the class, I knew I wanted to play that character of Laszlo for that. And then we're, we're taking a break and everything. And we, we, we don't know, you know, who, you know, if, if Cam's going to take over or, or Pat or Josh are going to try DMing again. Um, but I knew, I knew I was, I wasn't sure what was happening with me with that as well. Cause if they, if they played on the weekdays, it would be, it would be rough. So it's all in limbo. And I'm like, oh, I'm not going to be able to play Laszlo. And then Ethan's like, hey, I got a one shot. I'm like, Laszlo, let's go. So I was like super excited. I was like bummed for a while. I'm like, oh, no, I'm not going to be able to do anything with it. And then we're, we have him in the one shot. So I'm hoping he survives. So maybe in another adventure, I can bring him back because he's fun. Speaking of Pathfinder, I love, I, I find it really funny when you slip up. And you pull a Pathfinder move. Like, pull a will save for me. Like, what the fuck like, is will? Sorry. <laughs> like, where does that land? It is, it is so <laughs> stupidly complicated. But like, I feel I feel like fifth edition has a lot of good customization options, and but most of it is through RP, and like you working with your DM either to make sure you can purchase magic items or like if your DMs are giving you magic items that kind of tweak your character. There's just so much shit every fucking class can do with Pathfinder. It it blows my fucking mind. Like if you ever are curious, like take a look. I'll I'll put a link in our chat for PFSRD. Oh, Pathfinder's wild. Pathfinder's. Like, I I got into D&D with Pathfinder. And that was a mistake, first of all, because Pathfinder is just overwhelming the amount of information that there is. Um, I mean, it's the only it's the only game that I know of that needs five full books to tell you what every single monster or creature in the game is. Because um, there's to my to my knowledge, there are five different bestiaries for Pathfinder at the very least. Like, and then there's I, all homebrew, I know of, right? homebrew yeah. stuff dotted all over the place as well. I, I know that my local game store, when I was living back in Oregon, had Bestiary 1 through 5 on the shelf for Pathfinder. Ooh. And I was like, Jesus Christ. And then they also had Bestiaries 1 through 5 on the, uh, like, because they had a, a section that you could go and, like, use their equipment for, or, like, certain equipment that they had just if, like, in shop. So, like, yeah. there was D&D groups that would meet there daily. Uh, well, not, like, the same group daily, but, like, every day there'd be a D&D group, and there'd be some guys playing, like, Magic or Yu-Gi-Oh! or Pokemon or whatever. But Pathfinder had its own shelf of books. <laughs> it, That's insane. It, it also just gets very weirdly complicated with um, the rules, because whenever... So, Pat, uh, Cuddy, uh, played a wizard who was an illusionist. That was his like, specification. So he focused on illusions that when he was a low level would just sit there and, you know, do typical distraction things. But later on, his illusions could actually do damage and kind of become reality in a way. Like his wizard became really powerful over time. And, you know, we had collected a bunch of magic items and shit, but almost whenever Pat would want to play, a, cast a spell, we would all have to pull out our phones and look up the precise rules on how it would fucking work. 
because he would just go fucking ape shit on like whatever. And one of the one of the weirdest moments was was pretty late in our game. It was like two sessions before we TPK'd. We were fighting over this like pit of lava. And we had just started the session and like a big bad wizard came out. And this guy was decked up in like magic shields and shit. And he began to float over. Uh, Pat had an interesting idea to float back towards him. So they're both over the lava. And Cam was just, uh, the, our DM was a little bit like, fuck you. So he decided to try to cast Dispel Magic on what was causing him to levitate. Trying to plummet him in the lava. And we all had to pull out our books because Dispel Magic works differently with Pathfinder where it runs off of a hierarchy of your most powerful magic items and what level they're cast, and then goes down. So if you fail the check, or if he succeeds, the spell doesn't fail, it goes down to your next magic item. Down to your next, until one of them does succeed and dispels it. And it turns out it was some, like, bracelet that he had for whatever, and his, his levitation was pretty high up. But it seriously took us, like, 28 minutes to figure out the ruling on it, to make sure that Pat didn't get fucked over on what he was trying to do, and that what Cam was doing was like to the book, and it was like, at that point, we're all just like waiting mechanic. for the results here. But twenty-eight minutes for one mechanic. For one mechanic, and there were a few me like while I never play Pathfinder. I I think if if we were playing a private game without like recording, and we were just hanging out at someone's house eating pizza. We, it, I think we would enjoy Pathfinder, but that requires you to hang out with us, Matt. <laughs> I'm allergic to people. Pathfinder is like eighty percent of campaigns that go legacy. Yeah, has to be. Like, because so legacy for anyone that doesn't know what a legacy campaign is, a legacy campaign is a campaign that goes beyond uh, level twenty. Um which is traditional like where your where your uh, character becomes basically a living god um, <laughs> at level 20 you can create things into existence that should not exist you start fighting unique world destroying monsters etc sorry i took the i took the glass off my off my pc case um, so i had to reach underneath my desk there <laughs> um, but yeah like Pathfinder has to be at least 80% of all games that go legacy. Just because there's so many different rulings, there's so many unique encounters, the worlds are endless for Pathfinder because people play Pathfinder for decades in the same in the same campaign. It's wild. Absolutely wild. Weird and wild. So what other questions do we have? What in? Pathfinder technically be considered I'm trying to think of the D and D word, but basically god modding. Then, if it's like level twenty, you're making things happen that aren't there. That's mm -hmm. that's kind of like all D and D. Like post level sixteen D and D is like, what's the next biggest thing we can kill? Right. Well, that, <laughs> like, that's, what, that's why I think a lot of campaigns naturally end when you're in your teens yeah. for level. At that point, your DM is just like, I mean, I, I'll throw gods at them, but they'll probably kill them too. Like, we so, just need to find a good spot to end this. The highest level I've ever gotten to 
was a pure warlock level 16. Uh, let me look up uh, I feel like warlocks. That's where, I feel like that's a, where a lot of homebrew stuff starts to play. Yeah, for sure. Like if you're going to play past the teens and make it all the way to level 20, yeah, there's going to be some god modding, but that's just how the mechanics are built. Because at level 20, you are effectively a walking god for certain classes. And like, yeah, that's where your homebrew shit comes in. That's where, you know, we start creating, you know, a dragon with 12 heads and every head has a different elemental affinity. And it's got natural hide armor that's made of fucking unobtainium. So good luck getting through its AC. I think, I'm pretty sure that's where the Tarask came into play. Oh, yeah. And it's effectively immune to magic. And it has like on a D6, if it rolls like a one or some shit the spell is reflected back at the caster the AC is fucking insane so like yeah there are ways to get around it but I don't know I just feel like that's where a lot of homebrew comes out of Mm -hmm. yeah so in my um, in the campaign that I played uh, as a level 16 uh, warlock I used finger of death and that's 78 necrotic or 78 plus 30 necrotic damage just fucking obliterated one target and then i used actually funny enough blight twice at fifth level on uh two treants that the boss had it was we were fighting some like humans are ruining this world so i've teamed up with nature to eradicate humans basically and I was like, all right. So I mean, I agree. Al Gore. Pretty much. <laughs> we were fighting super Al Gore. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I agree with you. Humans fucking suck because they keep like screwing over the elves in this world. But I don't think that killing them is the right way to go. I personally believe in slaving them. So I'm going to kill you and your treants. And we'll see what happens. And I cast blight twice and then finger of death that dude and he was just destroyed like he didn't die but that was a lot of damage and it's it's just at that point like what do you do like there's not much after that oh there's a tarask terrorizing the largest city in the world we got to get you over there uh dimension door in or whatever portals in and then you go fight a tarask it's like world ending creature okay it, it kind of detracts, right? Like, we all have... With, with starting at a lower levels, we, we have almost these very humble beginnings, right? Where, like, like a single goblin could kill a level one character kind of thing, and you have the, the growth and everything, but it's the story, right? Where, you know... It, and ours, I guess, is a little bit of a unique thing, where essentially we're trying to kill a god or goddess. But... With, with right a lot of it, beginning. though, yeah, right, right from the beginning, level fucking one, because that's <laughs> that's sustainable. But at the same time, though, there's there's the story elements that we uncover, and they're all very terrestrial, right? They all, for the most part, belong in the world where we're at according to our level. But by that time, everything's already been like put with a bow on it, right? By that time, and yeah, you have to keep creating like these like existential threats that are coming to the plane of existence and you're dealing with supernatural crazy shit, but it doesn't, 
tie into your narrative as a bunch. You mean like writing the DM into the campaign? Yeah. Look cutest. That that is a that's a fun one for me. I I I a lot a lot of my story I guess if you call them story arcs where like you'll have like a quest or whatever. I do you know like I think that's the DM's best friend is books and media because you get a lot of cool ideas that you either tweak or essentially you entirely plagiarize the whole fucking thing and then you find a sweet spot of doing both where you're like all right I'm gonna take this idea but I'm gonna take all these aspects that I like from like fucking Star Trek boop here's here's fucking Q from Star Trek in our fucking D&D game and then just just moving on from there and like the whole like Clinton Mason thing uh, from from based those characters off Silence of the Lambs. So, and that's just, I like that shit. Well, there, there is one campaign I want to run. Well, technically it's two. You get like a, a party of good players and a party of evil players. And you run it so they level up the same, but at the end, they're facing each other. So they're both, like, if they get to level 20, they're both basic walking gods that all played their characters to a point where they know what they can do. Yeah, but then we just end up with the Sundering. Sure. Again. <laughs> Again. <laughs> so one thing that I really want to do um, with a D&D campaign um, is I really want it so... And I've been working on this for a minute in world building, right? So you, you create this world and you go big with it. You go fucking massive with it. And you drop a party in it, right? Standard D&D campaign. They go around, they do their fetch quests, they help the old lady, you know, move her groceries, that kind of thing. Maybe they go to the next city over and bring back goods because a wagon got stuff, whatever it is, right? Well, across the world, you drop another party in it. And eventually these two parties are working around the world and doing their own thing. And let's say uh, Nix and Thrym show up to this town and they're like, Hey, you know, we got this really bad, like, alligator problem. Like, could you help us out? And Nix and Thrym are like, yeah, we're passing through. We got something else we got to do in a neighboring town, but we'll come back and we'll help you out with it, right? So they go over to the next town over, get whatever quest that's time-sensitive done and come back. Well, if that other party happened into the town in the two weeks you were gone and dealt with the alligator problem and moved on, you come back and you're like, hey, we're here to help you with your alligator problem. They're like, oh, another group came by and, and helped us out, but thank you so much. And so you're constantly hearing rumors about this, like, other group or they're finishing things before you or they're doing these other things, but you don't meet them. Unless you happen to be at the same spot at the same time. And so you're constantly, you're not like the one adventurer group. You're one of many, right? But you have these actual interactions that are happening, and it's all within the same time span. Um, but you're interacting with the world in two different places, and maybe Nixon Thrym light an entire city on fire and escape in the carnage. And this other uh, you know, group comes in and this town's just ashes and rubble. And they're like, hey, there's this like, terroristic group that lit our city on fire. You've got to help us. 
or like stay clear of this area because that's where they went and you just get these narratives built and you're like what what are these people and you're constantly like hunting them down or trying to find more information about them and i think that'd be really fucking cool one cool idea i i was watching a video the other day uh there's one of those supplemental D&D books that's coming out next month in the world of Exandria uh, called Call of the Netherdeep. And there was an interview and Mercer was talking to one of like the developers and the interview guys for uh, Wizards. And one of the things in the adventure book is you actually end up like kind of clashing with an enemy party. And it's up to the players if they're going to be hostile with them. And depending on the situation, they either become like best buddies with the group or they become like rivals. And I think that's always kind of a cool thing that like a lot of I think, you know, you know, you guys are the stars. Right. And to take that away from you and to like put it with other NPCs, you avoid that. Right. You want you guys to have, you know, the, your guys are like the, the main attraction kind of thing. But to have a rival NPC group is is a pretty cool concept and and it's very dynamic based on your reactions i think that's kind of a cool concept and then yeah like you said taking that further is to is to run two separate games in the same world and have them kind of like crisscross without like interacting but that's man that those are so many moving parts to that like hardcore but yeah that's a fascinating venture and it could be something that it's a world that maybe you don't run two groups in it at the same time, but you run like they're you give one group like a two like a month head start, and they still take place in two different pla- in two different areas, but you can see the results of either group in the world, you know. So maybe there's this freshly constructed like building that is in dedication to Nix Van Grell. And you're like, oh, I want to learn more about this guy. Or something like that. There you go. So what you're, what you're saying is, Xander, uh, when this campaign ends, you're going to run two separate campaigns. I, ar- <laughs> I actually already have it in the works with, uh, with two group or with uh, seven or eight people that want me to DM a campaign for them. And I'm like, first of all, fuck you. I'm not having a table that big. You're right. out of your mind. That's I'm huge. Not, I'm not doing a table that big. I have zero control over a four-man table. You Dude. want me to run an eight-man table? You're out of your mind. I ran a. Yeah, I feel like I get chaotic really fast. I ran a table with nine. Yeah, that's a mistake. How long only, did your combats last? Only Jeez. two. Only two of them were experienced players. Oh. oh all man. the other ones were brand new. Yeah, yeah no, that, thank you. Yeah, oh, it was it was a nightmare. So, one of my buddies <laughs> took on the task of running a uh, of running a six man group, and our combat turns take. Ten, we're all experienced players. We've all played before, but we haven't all played together before, so we don't anticipate how everyone's gonna go and what they're gonna do with their turns, and. It takes us like 10 minutes to get through a round, 15 minutes sometimes to get through a round. And we're like, I, this takes too fucking long for like once one combat is one session, basically. We got to think too, not only, not only 
they do have the monsters too. So you have that many exactly. players. You can't just throw one or two monsters at the at the players because the action economy is going to be garbage. So you either have to have a couple creatures with many attacks, um, or you have to like throw a horde of monsters at them every time. And of course, mm -hmm. all of them need to be able to do something and. You got to be able to like condense it down the best you can as a DM, but that's still even if you do that, like we do, like if I have archers and soldiers, the archers are on one initiative role and the soldiers are on another. So that way I do all the archers at once and the soldiers at once, because if I have s six enemies and have each one of them have initiative that that gets tangled and um, very rough. So by condensing it down, it's still, but still like when we do combat, like it, if we do a combat session, usually it is a combat session. It takes up almost the whole thing with a little bit of RP sprinkled in. Like when you guys infiltrated, um, the, uh, that, that tavern in the, in the previous session, like you guys didn't complete it because we still had more. You guys had the, the potential boss fight with the, with the frost wolf in it but like you guys had the rp at the beginning we did a lot of combat but say we split that up right and we just had combat combat would have taken up that whole session if we started mm -hmm. right at the beginning of assaulting the bar and going in yeah. there and that's with four players yeah it's insane i can't oh yeah i can't imagine that like hats doing off to you guys with, for trying that but uh, that's not for me players. Yeah, right no, well dude i was you know my my first like official stuff like I, I did you know like a couple of the books with a group of people from my from my work and we had four players and I was like okay that's cool and then I, I started you know we did that for a little bit and then COVID happened so we stopped doing that but we only gotten maybe three sessions into that so I was still very green and then that's when Robin and John and I got together to, to make our thing I'm like two cool two players inexperienced players who've never played before but they know the general knowledge i'm like all right this is gonna be fun nice and easy and then i get into a role and then we're like i i propose to them like hey what are your thoughts about bringing in another player because i had my buddy pat and we tried it and i'm like i was kind of like oh no a third player how the fuck do i balance shit and then you just kind of do it over time and then we lost him and then got the two of you so we went from three down to two back up to four and like I was worried at first with four players. I'm like, how the fuck do I balance encounters? But it's something, you know, like I think as a DM you're gonna get a little nervous about, but you just on the fly you you change up some shit. Or, you know, with a lot of circumstances, like I'll plan an encounter and you guys just roll through it. Like, mm -hmm. you know, either either on the fact that you guys are really rolling really well and the enemy's rolling really shitty, or just the fact that I was just like, alright, well, you know, like the uh, the the white cap gang in the forest, I didn't alter any of their hit points or anything. I'm like, if you guys kill them quick, you kill them quick. Cause these are like, you know, little baby bitch cutthroat bandits. I mean, they're not fucking that hard to kill, but they're meant to be not that hard to kill, you know. And one yeah. of them, you know, the the druid was like on the defensive, and you guys were like being aggressive with it, and you know, there's fights like that too, where like, yeah, you don't tweak shit for the sake of anything. Like you, that's the thing too. You get the encounters where I put something in front of you guys. We're like, fuck, we have to run away or get the fuck out or solve a problem. But then there's the ones where I think you, you guys should be able just to go fucking hog wild and like one or two shot a creature and feel fucking badass Cause that's part of it too. It's like, yeah, it's like any video game, right? Where like, oh, you level up and get new abilities, but then it throws more challenges at you. 
and yeah, if it's, it's done well, yeah, if if it's done well, you feel like you're you're growing and challenging. But then I like the I like the RPGs where you can go back to older areas and just one shot everything because you're super fucking powerful. That's always fun to me. Just got real quiet in here all of a sudden. <laughs> Who died? Me. Oh. I'm gonna be honest, guys. Um, Heather and I have had an extremely long day, and I'm starting to develop a headache, so I'm feeling like we should probably cut this a little short tonight. That works. Yeah. I feel right. the poopy tooth. You good. guys want to do the Mad Lib before we cut out? Yeah. Yeah. If you're, I mean, if you're still up for it. I mean, we might as well. Like, let's be honest. This is probably the first matter of the gods that actually stayed D and D related, right? Yeah, really. One hundred percent is. Oh God, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is the most matter at hands, matter at hands we've ever run. Yeah. <laughs> we uh, usually it's it's uh, it's pretty quick to get off the rails, and by pretty quick, I mean there is never any rails ever. <laughs> They go okay. Let's talk rails, but not really. <laughs> yeah, there's there's railings <laughs> made of. We're riding the crazy train. All right. First up, give me a verb in the past tense. Mm-hmm. Ran. This is all okay. Remember, this well, is already labeled. You guys didn't labeled, say anything. Already labeled <laughs> explicit. I was gonna uh, say shat. Well, you should have been quicker. Maybe you'll have another chance. All right, an animal in the plural. Mongoose. Mongoose says. Ooh. I'm pretty sure. It's I don't think just that's a mongoose. word. I think it's just mongoose. Mongoose. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that works. I'm going to say mongoose, whether or not it's a word. That works. All right. I need a verb. Swim. Ooh. I need an adjective. Fuck. You would. You would. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put fucking to make it an adjective. That's a verb. Fucking would be a verb. Yeah. You're so fucking stupid. Now it's an adjective. That's true. A fuck is the most versatile word in the English language. It really is. Where you put it. All right. I need a plural noun. And no, I will not write fucks. <laughs> Anuses. All right. <laughs> All right. I need another animal. Penguin. See, I was thinking platypus. All right, I need a <laughs> verb ending in ing. Stroking. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say grabbing. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> you guys are right on the same page. Oh, this is great. I need a part of the body in the plural. Oh, boy. Knees. 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 Okay. Okay. I like how John muted himself as soon as that was brought up. <laughs> He's laughing too hard already. 
<laughs> haven't even gotten there. I need an adjective. Green? I was about adjective? to fucking say green. It is. Okay. It's a descriptive, a descriptive word. I need a place in the plural. Churches. Oh, God. <laughs> this is going to get real interesting. All right. I need a... I need a plural noun. Matt. Uh, Looking at you, Matt. Come on, Matt. I'm gonna gonna find a fun... Oh my god, he's looking one up. (laughs) It's the first thing that comes to your mind. Come on now. Stools. Like, stools is in turds, or stools is in the ones you sit on? <laughs> the ones well, you we'll sit on. We'll find out by context. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I need an adjective. Iridescent. Iridescent. Ooh, he was ready for that. <laughs> He's been thinking of that word all night. He just needed a place, a time and place to use it. Yeah. All right. That's his $5 I word of the night. I need another verb ending in ing. Or gerund. Stroking. Stroking. Oh. We've already used stroking. Rubbing. Great. Wait, we used... <laughs> Fine, I'll use the other one. <laughs> Alright, I need an adjective. Shiny. Aw. I'm going with Matt's. Shiny. Alright, I need a verb. Playing. Why are we like this? <laughs> I don't like where this is going already. Alright, so I need an adverb. Which is quickly, fun, I... slowly, it ends in L Y. <sighs> Agonizingly. Ooh, there's a word. Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> And finally, I need an exclamation. Fuck! Fuck. <laughs> it's gotta be. Okay, give me one minute to fill in the blanks. Wow, you guys really like using the word fuck. <laughs> have you listened to the podcast? podcast? <laughs> yes, I have. Yes. It's a pretty common word. That, that's why I find that's it gotta, funny. That's gotta make up at least 7% of all the words used. 7? Oh, at least 7. Yeah, you're right. It's okay. a little low. <laughs> That's why I gotta pick on you guys a little bit, because it's funny. I listen to the podcast, and it's like, every other word is fuck. <laughs> it's like talking to John. <laughs> no, that's fair. Weird, I grew up in a strict Christian household, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just that rebellious streak, uh... Showing I through, I guess. I'm gonna get through reading this with a straight face. Oh God! I mean, that's kind of the point, isn't it? Yeah, that's true. Mad Libs are supposed to be kind of hilarious. The context, dear God. It's way too dark. All right, ladies and gentlemen, our first D&D Mad Lib. Are hmm. we ready for this? No, I don't think we are, but do it anyway. All right, get fucked. 
Madlib's <laughs> gonna get a cease and desist order on us. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> yep, I think they already have one drafted up. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, ready? Nope. Adventure awaits. Those who have ran even a single game of Dungeons and Mongeese, aka D&D, D&M, no, adventure awaits those who dare to swim it. Whether you're uncovering fucking world-ending anuses, slaying a mad penguin that is stroking villagers, or casting a spell to subdue a dragon with two knees, your bravery is sure to be rewarded. You can explore anything from green dungeons, haunted churches, and mysterious chambers filled with glittering stools, to even an iridescent relationship. Speaking of relationships, role-playing, or rubbing your character, <laughs> is, a shiny, is a shiny part of the fun. <laughs> None of this is too explicit yet. No, it no, no, just the penguin that's stroking villagers. <laughs> that's a normal occurrence in D&D. Yeah. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Similar to any adventure, you get what you play into it, so look alive, be wary of anyone who acts a bit too agonizingly, and onward fuck! <laughs> Wonderful! I mean, onward fuck is like the best advice you can give to a bard player, right? I'm sorry, whether you're undercovering fucking world-ending anuses, seeing <laughs> a mad penguin that is stroking villagers, or casting a spell to subdue a dragon with two knees. Like, that's the Man. greatest sentence ever. <laughs> So what you're saying is in, in at some point we need a wacky one shot where we save that and we need to incorporate a lot of that shit in the one shot. Oh yeah, no, yes. a penguin stroking villagers, that's yeah, happening. 100%. I mean, not, I don't know about you, but I'm already dreading the encounter with dragon with two knees. Holy shit. <laughs> I don't know if I'll be able to handle the dragon with two knees. <laughs> <laughs> one knee I can handle. <laughs> I almost want to do another one, but... I'll That'll do another cute. one. I don't give a fuck. We'll do okay. it. We'll do the next one. All right, let's go. All right, hang on, hang on. Let me get to the page. All right. I need an adjective. Try to find something. Translucent. Translucent. There's a. There's your five dollar word from Xander today. All right. I need a verb ending in ing. Slipping. I need an occupation. That prostitute. Of course. <laughs> the world's Better... oldest occupation. I mean, veterinary prostitute. Okay. <laughs> right. Oh god. Hey, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. A veterinary prostitute. Is this a prostitute that is a vet or is this a vet yes. for prostitutes? Yeah. Just right. yes. All right, yeah. I need a noun. Peninsula. Okay. <laughs> wow. Going for more than one syllable. I need a number. 13. Okay. I need a plural noun. Whores. Whores. 
I was waiting for that to be the <laughs> occupation. I need a verb. Wait, what do you need? I need a verb. Slapping. Slap. Okay. Jesus. I need another verb. Thrusting. I heard two things at once. I said, I said thrusting. I said stripping. I'm going with thrusting. <laughs> or thrust. Oh Alright, I need an exclamation. We've gone from slap to thrust, and now I need an exclamation. Ay ay ay. Okay. <laughs> I need an adjective. Radical. Okay. Ooh. I need another mm -hmm. verb. Spanking. Spank. Okay. I'm gonna go with <laughs> sprinting, but okay. <laughs> yeah, it's spanking. Spanking is perfect. I need a plural <laughs> noun. Trees. I'm gonna spank some trees, okay? All right. <laughs> I'm into uh, it. I need a part of the body. I mean, no one said penises yet. We gotta throw penises up in this. All right, penis. We gotta throw penises that. up in it. <laughs> All right. Now I need a noun. Gigantic. Gigantic. That's an adjective. No, oh no, you're right. right. You're right. That is you're an right. adjective. However, uh, adjective is next, so I'll put gigantic on that one. There we go. There we uh, go. <laughs> noun, let's do... Uh, Gnome. I'm just going to do Cuba. That's a proper noun. It's the same. A I'm noun is a gnome. person, place, or thing. I'm going Cuba's with a gnome. place. I'm going with gnome. I need a verb. I fucking suck with words, apparently. Suck, okay. <laughs> there you go. I've contributed. Wait, wait. What? No. Alright. And finally, Matt, I need a noun. Hmm. Butler. Butler. Okay. Give me 30 seconds to fill this in. Problem. You'll notice netting I put... I, I literally have never gotten to use the two songs I have for Funny Scenes NoCo. So I have those playing right now. That'll be fun. I thought like a proper noun is like the White House. Uh, it That is a proper noun. A place like Cuba would be also be a proper noun because it's a country. Which is technically Basically, a proper if it noun. ends in a, if it starts with a capital letter, it's a proper noun. Ah, uh, so a, a person would also be a proper noun. A person's name would be a proper noun. Mm. I've been lied to my whole fucking life. <laughs> which is a statement, not a noun. And I expect that I-I-I to be said with emphasis. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in a funny voice, too. 
Ay, ay, ay. Yeah, preferably, you know, some cultural appropriation, no uh, Mexican <laughs> voice, you know, just to offend people. That's what we're going for in this yeah, podcast, really. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, if if that wasn't clear from everything else that we do. <laughs> <laughs> This is for the viewers at home. Like, we are here purely to offend you. Yep. Every single Friday. And if that offends you, thank God. We're, we're doing our jobs. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what to do. You don't have to thank God. Um, I'm not thanking anyone for this one. <laughs> All right. You can thank me for this one. Are we ready? No. Yes. RPG, role-playing game, acronym Cheat Sheet. There are so many translucent acronyms in D&D. Here's some lingo from this role-slipping game. DM or Dungeon Master. The veterinary prostitute is either your best friend or your worst peninsula. D20, D4, D13, etc. D stands for dice, and the number is how many whores it has. <laughs> AC, or armor class. This number is how hard you are to slap. Keep it high to avoid an injury that might thrust you. Aye, aye, aye! <laughs> yes! NPC, or non-player character. These are the DM's radical puppets who spank you through the world. AoE, or area of effect. Some spells or trees can reach as far as the penis can see. <laughs> Others only affect those standing within a small gnome. A critical... <laughs> a critical... When you roll your d20 and get a gigantic 20, the effect of your next action will suck. If this happens, congratulations, you're on Butler. Hey! <laughs> That's supposed to be. Like, usually there's a very clear answer for what, what the right way to fill these out are. I don't I'm know what that thought, was. Maybe. 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 I don't know. In the DM. I'm doing if that works out. How many whores does a die have? Mm. Yep. No. Keep it high to avoid an injury that might thrust you. Also <laughs> factual. You see, you go get thrusted, boy. I, I, I. Oh. We kind of have to do the next one. Hell yeah. One we more. Kinda, we kind of have to. We kind of have to. Oh, boy. All right. We just need to teach people how to play Dungeons and Dragons. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, that's what they, we're doing they, here. This is what they need to learn. All right, guys, we're starting with a part of the body. Wow, right off the bat, huh? Yeah. Eyeball. Oh, oh. Okay. Keeping it PG. 
Well, I was going to say but. What was the next one? I'm sorry. Adjective. Slimy. Noun. You want to go with butt, Heather? I was going to go with Bob. <laughs> That's a proper noun. Oh, then yeah, butt then. All right, let's go with butt. Thank you for your contribution. <laughs> I need an adjective. Swimming. Wreck. What? Both of you, what? What'd you have, John? Reckless. Ooh, I like that. Alright, we'll go with reckless. Yeah. Alright, I need a verb in the past tense. Love? Choked. Oh, yeah, stroked. No, I said choked, but Heather goes... No, no, stroked. We're doing stroke now. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta be stroked. Stroked it is. All right. We need a person in the room. John! John! (laughs) We need an adjective. Ah. Moist. Moist. (laughs) Moist. We need a noun. Apartment building. Apartments, okay. We need another noun. Boot. Boot? <laughs> what? Boot. Okay. <laughs> we need, oh god. And this is where we get cancelled. We need a celebrity. John? Did you got? Mer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, John. Let's, let's, <laughs> let, let's figure out. <laughs> you tell us who the lawsuit's coming from. Yep. <laughs> I have a feeling we were going to say the same one because I was going to say Meryl Streep. No, I was going to go with Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> oh, see, I was going to go with Lindsay Lohan. I was going to go with someone really bad. Kevin Spacey. Yep. There you go. <laughs> All right, and let's take a vote. Canceled. Who are we going for? Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey. Just because that one's so wrong. All right. Besides, it, could, if, it could be perfectly right. We don't know yet. Besides, right, yeah. If he sues us, what chance does he have of winning at this point? All right, that's a good point. Need an adjective. Wet. Wet. Moist and wet, huh? Got something on wow. your mind, Heather? <laughs> no. Maybe. <laughs> Noun. Just can't think of anything else. None. None. That's wholesome. A wet nun. <laughs> welcome. Need a verb ending in ing. Exacerbating. Ooh. Exacerbating? Hmm. Okay. I didn't know you knew a word that long. <laughs> I need an animal in the plural. Uh, I think we should go back to platypuses, because. Platypi? Platypi. Platypi. Platypussies? Platypuses. <laughs> Moist platypuses. <laughs> Alright, we need an adjective. Daunting. 
daunting. There's a fun Ooh. one. That is a good word. We need an exclamation. Help! That was Danielle's surprise. There's no bad answer here! (laughs) (laughs) I kind of want to go with surprise in case it's, like, really bad. Like, surprise butt sex. (laughs) Yeah, I I vote surprise. Surprise. Yeah. And finally, we need a noun. Butt sex. Do it. No. That's an adjective. Oh. I mean, that's a ver- uh, verb. No. It's an action. Butt sex is. Butt sex. Oh, that's. Oyster. What? Oyster. O- oyster <laughs> or moisture? <laughs> oyster. Like the clam. Oyster. Okay. Okay. Yeah, she's definitely got something on the mind. No, you guys have all the fun words before, so I'm coming up with what I can think of. <laughs> Moist, wet oyster. <laughs> all right. That, that's God. Well, you guys use like porn. penis and all that other stuff, so I got to come up with something clever. Oh God, I'm already reading this as I write it in, and it's just. It's <laughs> oh God. Is it bad? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. Oh, I have a feeling John is going to definitely say this. Oh boy. Yeah. That could be anything. I picture this music to like an old Laurel and Hardy skit. Right. Oh, what? <laughs> Laurel and Hardy? That's a fucking reference. Hey, they were hilarious. Yeah, they were. Dude, when I say that's a reference, I don't get it. <laughs> like, oh, that's dude. the kind of reference we talking about here. You need to look that shit up. I feel like you might not be wrong, but holy shit, I don't know what that means. Alright, uh, the best way I can put it, somewhere in between Abbott Costello and the Three Stooges. Okay, fair enough. I feel like that's a decent, like, comparison for them. That's, that's quite a range, but I'll take it. Like, there's, there's a lot of things that come between Abbott and Costello and the Three Stooges. Yeah, but, but uh, they're they're from the same time era. Okay, gotcha. All right, folks. This is how we close out this episode. Oh God. The first. Yeah, essentially, the series, huh? <laughs> <Probably>. <laughs> Ready? The first campaign. The party stood shoulder to eyeball at the opening of a slimy cave. Terra Buttcrusher, the reckless dwarf warrior, stroked toward the entrance. But then John, the cleric, held her back. I sense a moist energy coming from in there. The cleric whispered as the light atop his apartment flickered. Terra gripped her two-handed boot and smirked. 
We'll take care of it, she said. Then, Kevin Spacey Forest Keep, the wet elven rogue. <laughs> the wet elven rogue appeared from behind his cloak of none. Don't be so sure, he murmured, exacerbating a knife in his hand. He's <laughs> great. Suddenly, eight ferocious platypuses bolted out of the cave with daunting intent. Terra squealed with delight. Surprise! It's time for oyster. <laughs> wow. Uh, Terra Butt Crusher, the reckless dwarf warrior, stroked towards the entrance. But then John the Cleric held her back. I sense a moist energy coming from in there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the fuck, guys? <laughs> Go right ahead. It wasn't as bad as I thought it would conquer be. The... No, I thought it was going to be worse. I mean, still I... the opening of a bad porno. I, yes, I got 100%, but. <laughs> I gotta say, though. Like, that's some serious role-playing for John the Cleric, because he doesn't know Moist when he sees it. <laughs> He's a fucking cleric. He's not a cleric by choice. Alright, folks. I believe <laughs> that is how we will choose to end this session of Matters at Hands. I don't think we can choose to end it there. I think we have to. <laughs> yeah. Just to be on the safe side. Thank you much for listening. We will see you next time. Bye-bye! Bye, guys. Have a good Bye. night. I'm out.